Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. Steven is waving at me in real life. <laughs> it's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Steven Hilger. I was also waving at the dear listener. You know, That's sometimes good. you can you can hear the subtle wind that my hand is creating. Uh, also, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you it's so much. Big day, big day for Gemini's everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're recording this the day after my birthday, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had an interesting time. We also took last week off, so there's just like yeah. so much that's happened. We we always say that it feels like like months go by whenever we take one week off. Yeah, uh, but it really feels like that in this case. Again, uh, I've I've done so much. So many things have happened. I've, I'm another year <laughs> older than I was last time we recorded. <laughs> in just that one week, you aged one year exactly. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is funny. It's like when we do the show regularly, it's like, oh, I hope I have time to play this, and then we take one week off. We're like, I played all of Chameleon Twists, and you know, I have like <laughs> this encyclopedia of notes. It's like, what happened? Yeah, we the actually a week mix. I have. Yeah, I, the thing is, this is usually what happens. I think when we take a week off, but like we have enough stuff that we could have talked about that we were like, we should actually split this into two episodes. So yeah, we're going to talk about right. I mean, on the docket, we have five video games that we're going to talk about actually way more than that. Now that I'm thinking about it, considering what one of the sections is, (laughs) whoops, but like there's a whole like second episode that we could record is like a weird multiverse of, of of episodes that could exist currently. That's fun. I mean, like I'll just, I'll just tease, I'll tease a little bit, but like, I for some I just have this feeling kind of energized by a conversation you and I had uh, semi recently thinking about this idea that like we've been doing the show for a long time like we're about to head into our fifth season of doing the show Um, and that's that's a long enough amount of time and my own personal tastes in video games have changed enough I think over that period of time that I was like I I am now in the space where I feel comfortable going back and revisiting games that we have already talked about on the show to see if my opinions and tastes have changed. Um, yeah. So I've played like 15 hours of Octopath Traveler in the time that we've been gone. Uh, Amazing. That game, it's very good. Uh, but yeah. I'll talk about it next week when I've played 15 more hours. <laughs> <laughs> Once you've dual classed everyone. That was my first Switch game, I think. That game means a lot to me because it was. it was also our first episode. Right. But I like played a lot of it in a very short amount of time and then just like needed to like walk away. Like totally. it was like a, a meal I ate too quickly. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole, I think I'm like only maybe halfway through. So at least on a mechanical level, I'm interested to see like what other weird classes there are and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, I think we wanted to open this episode with a little bit more DS content. Full disclosure. I, you know, we took last week off and it's been kind of like a, a really busy time for both of us. And we just kind of needed that time to reset a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the majority of what I've been playing is in preparation for our season five premiere that we mentioned, which will be all about the DS. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been fun being open about it. I did like that we kept the Game Boy Advance episode a secret until we revealed it, but it's been nice being like, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're playing. Here's the list if you want to play along. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be something we do going forward potentially because I like that sort of, you know, we don't uh, we don't have to restrain because it's, it's a lot to be like preparing for that episode like in the month leading up to it in addition to playing games just for the show. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to be like, okay, like what I've been playing is the DS stuff. <laughs> I don't have to like jam on Chameleon Twist on top of that just to have... <laughs> something else i don't know if i've ever actually played chameleon now i feel like i have to i've been i've been summoning once you say chameleon twist twice yeah you know, it's no and longer I said it three joke. times yeah now you really now gotta said it do three it. times that was like the game i saw whenever i rented anything like 
in the late nineties. Like <laughs> if I was at like a weird video store renting a game, Chameleon Twist is always on the shelf. Like yeah. kind of taunting me. Like one day. That day has come. The day has come. Get twisted, baby. Um <laughs> I have been playing so much DS stuff. You'll hear about that in great detail on the season premiere. I feel, I don't know how you are feeling with your list, but I'm like, I was honestly nervous, like even just a week ago that I was like, oh man, like, have I not been going at a good enough pace? I've, my method for preparing for the episode has been largely like play like at least the beginning hour, unless the game is like actively not fun, play like the beginning 40 minutes to an hour of every game and then like gut check is this possibly a candidate or can i write this off totally um yeah. so i did that for for the majority of the whole list you know some stuff i'm like okay like i can i don't have to play 40 minutes of this to know it's not going to be a candidate yeah um sorry mario party ds and like that weird wario game um <laughs> which oh master of disguise <laughs> yeah yeah i think when you name anything master of disguise at this point it's just like curse <laughs> <Curse> title <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, anyway um uh so that was like the initial like okay and then from that i had a list of like 50 games basically so i essentially just cut it in half yeah um and then you know from there over the course because we've been planning this since like the end of last year so like i arrived at that place of like 50 games like a handful of months ago so i've been slowly going through and like narrowing it down um Mm -hmm. i'm at a point now where i have like 25 games that are candidates but i have a very firm idea of five games that are like on my list yeah which is a good feeling i'm like okay i I can actually start to see the the like silhouette of this list in some way yeah yeah the the uh the shining silver lining of a visage of what your list might be (laughs) Uh, yeah, I have I have about 30 games in my contention list that I'm like constantly moving around. Um, I would say that my top four, probably maybe even my top five set in stone. Like, I don't think yeah. anything is going to beat those. I feel very strongly about them. I feel very strongly about their places on the list already. Oh, wow. But everything else is kind of in flux. Like things are entering and exiting six through ten constantly, uh, which is exciting. And honestly, I just went out. I picked up a bunch of physical copies of some games today. Um, shout out to Brooklyn Game Shack, uh, who followed me on Instagram the other day. I was like, I, I have today off. I'll go oh, visit. Oh, hell yeah. Just like, why not? Uh, Instagram marketing works, dear listener. <laughs> uh, so uh-huh. anyway, they, they gave me a follow and I was like, I'll go check it out. And uh, they had a really good collection of DS stuff. So I went and picked up a bunch of things. I, I should mention, even before that, I ordered a copy of Inazuma 11 uh, off of eBay which is a soccer game by level five who made like professor Layton and like went on to make Nino Kuni and stuff, um, which I'm going to talk about later. Cause that game is wild. Uh, but you know, that kind of like opened the floodgates for me of like, I want to go pick up a bunch of games because the thing that I did when we were done with the DS episode, or sorry, with the game boy advance episode was I went to a retro store and just like bought a couple copies of games that I felt like really represented that episode that I was like, I want, a couple like actual totems for this episode to remember it by. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got like a copy of Golden Sun and some other stuff. I luckily had nice. a lot of the games that I cared a lot about already. Um, but in this case, I was like, I feel very strongly about a couple games I need to own. So I went out like half of our Discord did and bought a copy of Henry Hatsworth today. Uh, <laughs> that- we have never, maybe, maybe three houses. But I think I've never seen like direct sales from our show more than Henry Hatsworth. Like all we do is recommend games and there's no like 
pictures on the Discord, pictures sent to us of like yeah. freshly purchased copies of the game. But everyone is like shoving like pre-used Henry <laughs> copies in our faces. It's so I'm very funny. glad. I'm yeah. glad people are enjoying Henry. It was funny yeah. when I when I told uh the person at the store that I wanted the copy of Henry Hasworth that was behind the glass, to be clear. They were like, I keep hearing about this game. And in the back of my head I was like, oh man. <laughs> it is the it is the definition of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, you know, for, for real, again, for real. The cover looks like an ad you clicked on by accident. You yeah. know, like anyway. I picked up that. I picked up um Dragon Quest Nine. Oh, nice. Which is a game that I feel very strongly about. I'll I'll be honest. It's not on my list, unfortunately. But I like it a lot and and it actually leads into a thing that I want to talk about a little bit about the DS. Uh, kind of it in the same uh, sphere as Inazuma 11, which we'll get to later. Um, I also picked up uh, Final Fantasy Tactics A2 because you convinced me uh, that that game is yeah. important and cool. Uh, so I, I had actually played a bit of it and then put it down. But I was like, I'm going to give this another shot. So I bought a physical copy of it so I can be like, I'm just I'm just going to have my Final Fantasy time uh, with this. <laughs> um, and I also got Kirby Mass Attack. Oh, nice. Which I was like amazed to see just like sitting there. I don't know why. I don't know why that like even more than Dragon Quest nine. I was like shocked to see a copy of Kirby Mass Attack in real life. Uh, so yeah. I picked that up. Kirby on the DS is an interesting series because like it, it I won't I <laughs> it's won't like go 45 experiments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and it's so interesting, like having played the Game Boy Advance library and seeing like what series were at like the peak of their game at that time, like what series were trying things out and also like at that time too like what games like were able to translate to the handheld experience and which ones were like benefited from that yeah you know the series that are shining and the series that are like totally going downhill it's like completely night and day yeah and kirby is fascinating just specifically because like they put out a port of kirby superstar which is the super nintendo kirby game that's kind of like a collection of a bunch of things like a remake of the first one you also get the great cave offensive and you know there's a bunch of stuff going on in kirby superstar i mean that is your that's your favorite kirby game it is probably yeah. like the best kirby game um i don't know if i if i feel that way personally but like i can recognize that it probably is the best kirby game so like they put that out and it almost feels like they were like all right here's your kirby now we're just going to take this thing and completely <laughs> like drag it through mud and then throw it at a wall and hope it sticks Um, because there are like six or seven different other kirby games that are on that thing that are just like so confusing and weird and like yeah some of them work some of them don't work at all um and some of them shine i like kirby mass attack i think is really good i was gonna say that that's the one other than like the ports of like the other like you know superstar yeah mass attack was my favorite of the ones i played yeah Yeah. i don't i don't know if that's gonna make my list either but i really had a good time with it um and i wanted a physical copy of it just because i was like so enthralled by this game that i literally had never heard of as a fan of kirby i had never heard of kirby mass attack before we started doing this episode yeah it almost has more of a pikmin it's like a frantic pikmin starring kirby yeah um but anyway i think the game that I want to bring up next that I that I plan to talk about on this episode, I think has been set up indirectly perfectly I agree. because it is a Dragon Quest game. It has Henry Hatsworth energy and like, why does this exist? <laughs> uh, and also has kind of chaotic energy like Kirby. It has an elastic nature to it. You guessed it. It is Dragon Quest Heroes rocket slime yeah i believe that's the correct title that is the correct title yeah it has the wildest opening 15 minutes of any video game (laughs) maybe ever but definitely that i played for the ds episode 
Yeah, so not a huge spoiler. The DS is like stacked with Dragon Quest. Like yeah. just not even just like the main series, but spin-offs as well. Um Dragon Quest Monsters Joker or Joker Monsters whatever. Um there are two of those games on the DS and they're both really interesting kind of Pokemon-ish games. Um you've got Dragon Quest 4, 5, 6 and 9. nine. <laughs> uh I think that's it. Um and then you have this rocket slime. So when I was looking at the list of games we set out to play, I was like, oh, oh like there's, there's like, a, I, I sort of wrote it off in my head. I'm like, I'll play it. Yeah. But like, there's no <laughs> way that this is actually good. Yeah. Um, but I forgot that literally every Dragon Quest spinoff I've played has not only been good, but it's like as good as the main series. Like <laughs> Dragon Quest Builders, incredible. Yeah. Uh, Joker, like really impressive. And Rocket Slime, also great. This game is is Henry Hatsworth tier. Uh, it is a game. I think it's a, actually a sequel, or maybe like a, it's it's a weird it's a weird pseudo remake, pseudo sequel to a Game Boy Advance game that came out only in Japan. This this was a whole series, and this was the first we had seen of it in in yeah. uh, in the U.S. Which I think was just called Slime, and essentially you play yeah. as a slime. So in Rocket Slime, you are a slime. Uh, in my case, uh, named Steven, uh, and uh, you live in this like kingdom of slimes and you know it's the the monsters in the dragon quest series because like the games tend to use the same like creatures and all of them they they kind of have like an established like place in the world at this point yeah and they're all just like bad jokes basically you know there's like puns on the word slime or goo or like there's a bud slime who says we're best buds and it's like it's just like constantly (laughs) jokes like that that somehow always work but it opens, you're this you're this slime, and the kingdom of slimes gets attacked by platypunks, the like duck uh platypus creatures. They like shoot cannons at, at the slimeville and kidnap everyone. And the only reason you're not kidnapped is because like your friend as like a dare shoved this clarinet in your mouth and you're like all, <laughs> all, all stretched out and weird. And like the, you are being kidnapped by the platypunk, and they're like, "This isn't a slime; it looks too weird." And they throw you off a bridge. <laughs> so the call to adventure is that like something got shoved in your face, and you looked weird, <laughs> which is this like flute that you know it's this it's this Zelda ish item that eventually has a point later on. So you're immediately tasked with just exploring this world and rescuing other slimes and what it turns into at its core it's a puzzle game so you as the slime stretch yourself and you bounce around the level um it's if i had to say one negative thing about rocket slime is that unfortunately that central idea is like fine like it's it's not yeah it's, it seems like a missed opportunity to not use the stylus because like you have to hold a and then move back in a direction and i'm like why wasn't this this seems like perfect for the touchscreen. It's yeah. kind of bizarre they didn't utilize it. But regardless, like you have to kind of bounce around and like interact with the environment in ways. And then once every slime is locked in a chest, and once you save them, you can either carry them back to town or you throw them on this like conveyor belt, like train that brings them back. Um, you can also collect monsters that like. We'll just show up in your town and, and say funny things. It's worth pointing out, like, this is definitely for a younger audience. This feels like maybe, like, um, 
you know, if, if a kid is like maybe a little bit too young to even play Dragon Quest, like this is a great way that they can experience the like charm and, and color of the worlds without having to like, you know, learn deeper mechanics or like uh, mm-hmm. potentially heavy themes. Yeah, because the stakes are so silly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it also has just general appeal. I also love stuff like this. So like this is right up my alley. And the writing is like really funny. Like it's 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 constantly just like really like but um like dad jokes. But like mm-hmm. they they all land and there's such a commitment to like every slime has their shtick. And when you save them, like that's so one of the first slimes you save is Mother Goo Perrier, who is a <laughs> nun who like you know, allows you to save. And, and then what the game turns into is, okay, it's like a puzzle game, saving all the slimes. But then when you bring them back to the town, there are like counters in sort of the, the ruins of this kingdom. There are counters of, Oh, once you save 10 slimes, this area opens up. And also slimes like mother Guperior will open services that help you. So, you know, in, in her case, like you can save the game at the church. <laughs> I feel like we haven't mentioned that since like the first episode that we ever talked about Dragon Quest in, but it's worth mentioning that in every Dragon Quest game, you, you save the game by talking to a priest at by a church. By confessing your sins. Yeah. Yes. You have to confess. Yeah. I, that's one uh, of my favorite things about it. So, yeah. so that, that is the first person or the first slime that you save in, in rocket slime is, is the, is the nun who runs the church and allows you to save by confessing your, your goo sins. And once you confess your goose sins, they all like like dance and sing. It's amazing. And like, yeah, really yeah. what it, what the game is and why I love it is that it's Terrytown the game. It is like the idea of of finding people to rebuild and better this community that you're building. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weirdly really in the fun. zeitgeist, which is silly. I know to say about this game because it's older, but I feel like it's in the zeitgeist for us that like we just keep playing games that are very much just like Tarrytown adjacent. Uh, yeah. what was that other one? Uh, Aiden Chronicle Rising yeah, was the yeah. recent one. I f- honestly, um, the the newest Kirby game, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, is very much that. Also, saving all very the waddledees and and yeah. very similarly opening up. It's different very locations. similar to this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I really like that loop of it. I also love that whenever you save them, they immediately send you mail that said like thanks you yes. for saving them. Yes. Um. So it it's definitely a game that is like carried by the charm of it. But I do think there's something about centering a game around a single mechanic that I really like, you mm-hmm. know, the fact that it's all just about like stretching yourself and, and saving these characters and like <laughs> seeing how the town becomes better. Eventually yeah. when you repair the flute, this is pretty early on, but when you repair the flute, a, a friendly platypunk teams up with you. And you, when you play the flute, it summons this like giant slime mech that can shoot cannons. So like you learn that like, like when, when things are in like a rough place, you can summon this, this, you know, slime mech. And yeah. uh, in that case, you destroy a mountain to like create a new path to progress somewhere else. Wow. That so, is very Henry Hatsworth, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> you didn't think that, that a mech would be the connective tissue between Henry Hatsworth <laughs> and rocket slime. But and that stuff is fine, but I just think that the 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 central loop of like saving characters through puzzles and then seeing like them rebuild the place, I find really nice. Um, mm. And it, it has like you know the the charm of the worlds of a Dragon Quest, even though it's like a much simpler game. I think the reason why I've always really enjoyed the spinoffs is like they all really like go out of their way to make a world that you want to be in. Even yeah. if it's as silly as this, like 
there is something appealing about the world that is like worth saving and worth investing in even mm. for you know rocket slime which is like a little bit more irreverent than even like dragon quest builders is yeah the the Im- sorry i i can't get over the imagery of when uh your shitty friend shoves the clarinet in your mouth and and you stretch out <laughs> into the shape of the clarinet and you just like try and move around and you can't get anywhere because you keep bumping up into things because you're just yeah. a clarinet trying to move through a world. Uh, it's very good. I do. I do think you're right that like pretty much every Dragon Quest spinoff, like 10 out of 10, like nailed it. It's it's actually pretty incredible as long as it's not like the mobile ones, because the mobile ones are very much yeah. like trying to be kind of the like free to play gotcha stuff um, for the most part every like i'm I'm thinking of like the builders games uh all the monsters games seem incredible even going back to like the game boy stuff yeah really amazing really amazing the 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 like hit rate of this series Uh, actually speaking of which really wildly we're recording this on what is dragon quest day may 27th is dragon quest day uh what's interesting is that it actually because of the time difference between japan and the u.s uh Japan is celebrating it on May 26th, which is my birthday, which is great. So every year on my birthday is Dragon Quest Day in yes. Japan. And I get to just like experience all the things that they announced for Dragon Quest on my birthday. It's exhilarating. Um, and uh, this year they announced uh, we had, we already knew this was coming, but they announced that there's going to be like a whole bunch more information this year about a new game uh, that was supposed to be a Dragon Quest Monsters game that got kind of rebranded into a new game called Dragon Quest Treasures, um, which I think like was kind of up in the air if it was coming out in the u.s uh but it seems like it is because they translated the trailer into english and there's like english voice Mm. acting in it and stuff yeah um but it's about eric and his sister mia um and that's like kind of all we know all we know is that it's about those two and it and it used to be dragon quest monsters game and now it's not anymore uh so i'm I'm really curious about it we're gonna hear more about it next month apparently i'm really excited about that because that is one of the many like seeds of a story you get in 11 that i'd love to see more of yeah because like, there's a whole charles dickens novel of like them growing up as like pirates that yeah. i yeah pirate I vikings to, viking to, pirates pir- like that's right they were raised by vikings you're yes. right yeah uh, so cool yeah that i'm i'm very very excited about that and uh also dragon quest 10 offline hopefully that comes our way yeah that I don't know why you would make that's that's the big one that hasn't been announced for for the West yet. And that is like, why would you even make Dragon Quest 10 offline if you're not localizing it and releasing it around the world? That just feels like the reason you would make that in the first place. Or else wouldn't you want to get people into your subscription service? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. I also do we know anything else about Dragon Quest 12 or is that still just like ethereal? Yeah, the the thing that Yuji so the the video that they did uh this year for Dragon Quest Day it was very nice. It was Yuji Hori in uh the Dragon Quest theme park just kind of walking around with an umbrella that was covered in slimes. Um and uh <laughs> he, he was just kind of like making his way around the theme park and talking about all the stuff they're working on and uh all he said was like we're working hard on making Dragon Quest 12 and that was all we got about that. Um, and then he mentioned Dragon Quest Treasures, mentioned Dragon Quest Builders 1, which came out on mobile immediately as soon as that YouTube video came out. Uh, so that's available now, which is cool. And then um, the other one is it's the 10th anniversary of Dragon Quest 10 this year. Uh, so he was like, oh, he was wow. like, we're going to do like a big thing later in the year when that happens. So everybody's hope is that Dragon Quest 10 offline comes to the West. Um, no mention of Dragon Quest 3, that remake that they're doing in the HD 2D oh, yeah, engine, the, which I'm kind of surprised yeah. by. Because that seems like a thing that would be imminent, but... 
Maybe not. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see that at like a Square Enix event. Yeah, or like eventually. Tokyo Game Show or something. Yeah. Yeah. All very exciting. I, I'm very excited that our show will will likely be able to cover Dragon Quest Twelve when it comes out. Yeah. It's like very surreal. That's gonna be you know? wild. Yeah. I I've like we yeah. we kinda did eleven, but it wasn't like in unison like when it came out. You know, it was sort of like Yeah. Much like the game's title, it was an Echoes of an Elusive Age. <laughs> it was sort of spread throughout time yeah i'm I'm Um, hoping we're not setting ourselves up for a kingdom hearts 3 scenario but you know i think what i've learned entering this show as a hardcore final fantasy fan and having never played dragon quest (laughs) and now being kind of humbled by just like (laughs) the track record of dragon quest and the wild inconsistency of final (laughs) fantasy but that's kind of the appeal of both right like that is like when you sign up for Dragon Quest, you kind and and I, I bring that up because twelve seems to be at least being broadcast as a little bit of a departure. Right. You know, if, if eleven is kind of a swan song and like a best of every Dragon Quest up until that point, twelve seems to be wanting to explore new things. I I trust them. Like even though like I'm hesitant to embrace the like edginess of it. You know, like mm-hmm. it seems to be like, or at least the wording was like, it's a little darker, yeah. it's a little edgier, but like, it's going to be I've photorealistic really enjoyed... in the Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> engine. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the Dragon Quest games that do like get surprisingly heavy. Like they, they are actually able to navigate those tonal yeah. peaks and valleys pretty well. Totally. And then final fantasy is trying to do something new every time, which actually speaking of, Things that are trying to do something new every time. Do you want to talk about these other games that you brought to the table for the Nintendo oh, DS? Yes. Not to do a hard pivot into uh, keeping us no, on that track. Was perfect. But, uh, I am actually very excited to hear about these because I, I have played two of the three of the things you're about to talk about so far. Oh, okay, cool. So similar, sometimes we're like set up to be two halves, you know, like without even communicating it for our upcoming Pokemon bonus. I played red version. You play blue version. Yeah. Uh, we have a little bit of this Final Fantasy Dragon Quest thing going on. Uh, and also, uh, prior to doing this show, I didn't really know that much about Metroid. I had a much stronger history with Castlevania and yeah. you, the opposite. Um, so, I have been playing the three. You, you, count, you counted them. There's three. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing. I want to say get rid of that, but it was actually kind of funny. That feels like the first take at like a casino commercial, you know, like come on down and, and throw, throw, throw the dice. You can pull the lever and it's going to be different every time. You never know. Bet them all and, on bet them Castlevania. All. You can go upstairs to your room and then try again later. Uh, <laughs> try again. It's, it's nighttime and nobody's watching. Throw the dice. I've been playing all three Castlevania games. Oh, cool. Uh, for the DS. Uh, <laughs> you've got Dawn of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. You've got Order of Ecclesia. Mm-hmm. And you've got Portrait of Ruin, mm. which is actually out of order. The, the I, I believe Dawn of Sorrow was, was released first, then Portrait of Ruin, then Order of Ecclesia. Um, and I think Order of Ecclesia was the last Metroidvania-style Castlevania game. Because after that, they had, I think, Lord of Shadows. That was their attempt to, like completely rebrand Castlevania and actually similar to Final Fantasy like you broadcast like this is a series that like when you say Castlevania you normally think like Symphony of the Night ish yeah but the series has kind of been a lot of different things over the course of its life like 
it started off as a kind of a very simple platformer that had like horror elements, but it was like largely like Mario ish. Um, and then you have the more RPG side of things. Then you have the more like 3d action side of things with the N64 games and Lord of shadows. Um, the DS is a really interesting and really strong era for Castlevania. I was really happy to see that because Game Boy Advance, like, there's a few games and they're all like okay, but Ari of Sorrow is like the one. You know, like the other ones are like you can kind of feel the the like oh okay, like this is, wasn't really like it didn't benefit to be scaled down for the Game Boy Advance. But right. Ari of Sorrow was like no no no, the hardware is fine. It's like what you do with the game itself, and I think that was when you look at lists of like best Castlevania games, Ari of Sorrow is like always like top three. I would agree with that. That was my first. Castlevania game that was my introduction to what we now call Metroidvania overall. Interesting. Um, and I've been meaning to play Dawn of Sorrow for a long time. So I think just like quick elevator pitch on all of them. I think the reason I wanted to lump them together is because I've been playing them and I've been trying to settle on which one I like the most and I truly can't decide, which is a fun problem to have because <laughs> Dawn of Sorrow is a direct sequel to Aria of Sorrow. Um, and in that sense, it very much is the bigger and better version of Aria Sorrow. So not to say that it's a better game inherently, but like it definitely benefits from being on the DS. Like it looks really good. Yeah. The, the backgrounds and the presentation are wonderful. The music, I mean the music and I think that's like the one consistent thing in almost every Castlevania is the music's always going to be good. The music's really um, good. Yeah. But it's especially good in, in Dawn of Sorrow. It's very much taking like the fast and the furious mission impossible approach to Castlevania in a way. Where it's like, yeah. where it's like Aria Saro is so widely beloved. Let's just ramp it all up like another notch yeah. if possible. Um, and they do a pretty yeah. good job. This is one of the ones that I've played. I'll say this: I like, I liked what I played of Dawn of Sorrow more than what I played of Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, I, I, think, I think immediately fair. it's like more interesting, more varied. Uh, they're, they're hitting like the story is obviously like still absolutely ridiculous. It's just like full of camp. Yeah, but they're at least like trying something new with it. It feels. It feels less like, oops, I tripped and now I'm Dracula and more like they, they like actually tried to do something real here. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a cool it's a cool setup for a game. I'll, I'll let you get into it. I think like when looking at the three games and, and they're not all direct sequels, but I do think like I think you and I talk a lot about the approach a sequel can take. Like you have sequels that are sort of like maybe a direct continuation or more of the same or like larger in some way. Yeah. And then you have sequels like Chrono Cross that is sort of like almost like an entirely <laughs> different game. Yeah. You know, it's like what nightmare did you have after the success of your previous game? And like, how did that inform this new thing? Um, <laughs> which I think makes it very special. So I think the approach of Don Sorrow is very much like, let's like glam up Aria of Sorrow. It's going to play better. It's going to look better. Yeah. Honestly, one of the best things about the DS Castlevania is, is having the map on one screen. Like that little addition. It's awesome. Makes these games so much more fun to play. Um, so Donna Sorrow is great. I would not be surprised if that makes my list. I think it's also like a pretty beloved game. And that's, what's also interesting is that I was trying to find a consensus amongst like reviews of the time mm. you know modern modern discussion whether that's like lists or just like discussions online and there really isn't a consensus if you look at a lot of the reviews of the time the most favored ds game was dawn of sorrow interesting but now it leans more order of ecclesia uh, which i'll get to 
Um, so Dawn of Sorrow, I think, is kind of like a sure thing. If you haven't played it and you played Symphony of the Night or Ari of Sorrow, you're going to really like Dawn of Sorrow. It's, yeah. it's like tried and true, better, bigger. You're outside in a cool like Resident Evil 4 village. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Portrait of Ruin, I don't see as much love for. Like, it's well regarded, but it doesn't like it seems like I see a lot of Order of Ecclesia or Dawn of Sorrow like champions mm-hmm. uh which makes me want to be the portrait of ruin stan personally but uh <laughs> portrait of ruin is interesting because it takes a really different approach even though it's still in the the symphony of the night style where you're navigating this 2d map and you're leveling up and getting items um you're playing as two characters one of them is a guy named jonathan who like <laughs> <laughs> He shows up and he's just like, I suck. I can't use the whip. I'm not even related to the Belmonts. He's like from this. I think he's from the Morris family that are like friends of the Belmonts. Like he, he's not the the heir to like, you know, because the Belmonts are these like chosen ones. Yeah. Like family line of vampire hunters. They are like the cosmic response to Dracula showing up constantly. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan is just like a guy. <laughs> and like he immediately... <laughs> He immediately is like furious about that. And he's joined by Charlotte, who is like a like a student, a sorceress in training. What's cool is that you can switch between them. And my favorite thing about Portia Ruin is whenever you switch, they yell the other one's name. So I do it just constantly as I'm walking. So I hear like, Charlotte, Jonathan, Charlotte, Jonathan, it's over and over again. Um, So you can switch who you're playing as, which is cool. And like they, they play kind of differently. So. Jonathan kind of plays like a Belmont, even though he's not a Belmont. He kind of plays like a Belmont. <laughs> is that going to um, be Charlotte, the twist? Is that the twist in the game? Have you? I'm sure. It is. is that how the game yeah, ends? Is he finds out he's a Belmont? Yeah, I mean, maybe, or maybe he finds. I don't know. I I have no idea. I'm sorry if I just spoiled the end of the game, but I truly am guessing as somebody who hasn't played and has heard <laughs> three lines from the video game so far via Steven. <laughs> Charlotte is is a is a mage, so she throws like a book out that will like then summon whatever her weapon is. Oh, that's which is really. Really cool. cool. Yeah, that's sick. What's also fun is you can summon the other character just to like trail behind you, like the ice climbers and smash, where like they'll just sort of automatically attack other enemies. Oh, nice. Or you can summon the other one to like help you solve puzzles. So there's early on, there's like a pushable statue where you can have one person jump on the top and then stay there, summon the other one to push it and then switch back so they can jump higher i think the ds like unconsciously communicated this message of teamwork to a lot of developers because of the dual screens and because Mm -hmm. of the ability to play online i think there was also online co-op at the time where like you could play as one of the characters which was really cool Mm. it's sad that you can't do that anymore but um put it put a pin in that idea for later yeah um so portion of ruin is like honestly a blast i think it's definitely like the campiest and i don't know if that's on purpose or not but it feels like the silliest like you meet a ghost who says call me the wind and he's just named wind and he helps you out but he's like a cowboy ghost i love that the music is also like very sega genesis so it has this kind of like it has like a very uh upbeat vibe even though you're like fighting you know zombies and bats and stuff like it feels it feels very upbeat it feels very like light even though like the beginning is like in the 40s this blood-soaked painting was you know whatever dramatic (laughs) intro so portrait of ruin i think is like a cool experiment they're trying out new characters that are like unrelated to anything before so whereas dawn of sorrow is like a continuation of what worked portrait of ruin is trying to take a new spin at it um and then you have order of ecclesia which i also really like and this is essentially what if we tried simon's quest again 
the game is very interested in revisiting oh the ideas so for those who don't know first castlevania is like left to right platformer yeah. with with light action elements it's honestly one of the best nes games it's a great game Highly yeah honestly it. that's the one i've played the most of that's the one i like yeah. the most of all the ones i played <laughs> is the first castlevania if you like that castlevania you might like um three because essentially like with two which i'm getting to which is simon's quest yeah they really try to do the like open world rpg side of things but like it just wasn't like it was a little bit too ambitious for its own good yeah way too early to to try yeah. that video game yeah it was a great idea <laughs> like it was a great <laughs> idea like everyone was just kind of like you tried your best simon's quest and that's the thing it's like because there's a lot of like especially at that time to see a game that was trying to accomplish like what oblivion tried to do later yeah. with like townspeople who would like the, the joke about that game is the townspeople would lie to you they would say like go west and like that was the wrong direction mm-hmm. you would have no way of knowing that so like there's a lot of cool concepts but it just didn't really work out and then castlevania 3 and then super castlevania 4 are like one they're like platformers with action elements so you actually might like those a lot mm. anyway order of ecclesia is having learned all these lessons over the years it's like okay what if we tried that again and honestly it it does it well so essentially the framing device of order of ecclesia is you are this woman who has the ability to like absorb kind of like soma she can absorb powers from enemies but they're also her weapons and what i really like about this game is that you can equip one ability to one hand and another to her other hand so like you're kind of dual wielding things so the combat feels like it flows a little better Mm. um like i have one attack is like a big sword and then i throw like a dagger ahead of me um i really like that um it's also much like gloomier so if you don't like the sort of upbeat campiness of portrait of ruin you'll probably like this sort of somber gothic nature of order of ecclesia but a lot of the levels, like you'll find areas that are similar to Symphony of the Night ish maps, but then other areas will just be a straight left to right progression that's like full of nightmare enemies. <laughs> it feels like the parts of Elden Ring where you just have to run. Yeah. So, like, they are creating environments that you're not ready for that you can't handle on your own. And at first, that was frustrating. I'm like, why are there so many enemies? I keep dying. What am I doing wrong? Then eventually, I just ran. And I found like a villager that I saved and then they came back to the central town and they could sell me better weapons and armor. Mm. So like going back to Rocket Slime and, and even Kirby, like it is a game about saving townspeople to like build this central hub where like those people will will help you in your quest. And I think that there are also like quests they give. So it's it's less of a singular area that you're exploring and more of like kind of like a, a world map that you choose where you're going next and exploring that area and leveling up and like gaining new abilities. It feels the most RPG centric as well. This sounds like the Castlevania that Celador Games pulled from when they made Rogue Legacy. Like this really sounds like yeah. the one that they use as their blueprint. And they were just like, what if it was a roguelike instead? Uh, which I love. So uh, I, I think yeah. you might like it. It also feels the most like it, it, it was the same producer as uh, the guy who made Bloodstained later. Yeah. And like it cool. feels like kind of early Bloodstained energy in some yeah. ways. This one I started and played very little of uh, and, and moved on to other stuff. But I will go revisit this one again. You've you've emboldened me to check out <laughs> Castlevania Order of Ecclesia a second time. I, I will give a heads up. It is really hard. Uh, so like 
definitely like I don't think the other games are like known really for their difficulty. This one is. And I think it requires like a level of patience that like, you know, will will depend on who's playing. Honestly, a, a lot of so I, I mean, I, as we've talked about many times on the show, I have kind of like a weird conflicted feeling about Castlevania as a franchise. I yeah, te- I tend to not like them very much. Um, generally speaking, I, I always appreciate what they're going for. I always appreciate the camp and the tone. Usually, yeah, uh, that all works really well. Where I start to kind of fumble with it is this kind of back and forth of like, who is this being built for? Because it feels like there's kind of no, there's kind of no consistency in terms of like what the difficulty is supposed to be. Um, I feel like the level design kind of almost kind of like rests on the fact that it's a metroidvania that it is a castlevania style game and it's like oh yeah because you're supposed to run all over the place and be lost for a long time we're allowed to just put like a boss that's you know 10 to 15 levels above you right in the opening areas you can run into it and die before you've even figured out how to save yet um like that that actually sucks (laughs) like i don't think that that's good i actually think that that's bad game design that that never feels good when that happens and I'm interested in a game like Order of Ecclesia that actually is just going into it saying like, no, no, this one is just hard. Like that level setting from the top, like this game is just going to be a difficult video game actually makes me feel a lot better than something like Aria of Sorrow even, which is probably after the first game, the one that I've played the most of. That game felt wildly inconsistent in terms of how difficult it was supposed to be at any given time Um, because they just want you to bang your head against things and then go explore somewhere else. But the problem is that like, some areas are way too easy and some areas are way too hard. And there's kind of no like there's kind of no like a uh, gradual incline of progression in that game for me. I never I never felt like I was getting more powerful slowly. It always felt like just kind of like peaks and valleys in a way. So I, I like the idea of just like, no, it's just hard. And yeah. I feel I feel like even just even just that as as a mental state of mind to be in as a frame of mind to start that game with will set me up for success more than any of the other ones maybe um so that's interesting it's very interesting to me this is very yeah, interesting Steven. It, it has a little bit more of an interesting plot too like it definitely is campy but it feels a little bit like like it's trying to tell an actual story yeah in a way that portrait of ruin is kind of like winking and nodding along the way like this feels like like it's all about kind of like an occult group that are dealing with the absence of the Belmonts. So the Belmonts just haven't shown up this time. Yeah. So the pressure has fallen onto this group to like deal with the, the threats and guess what they're called. Dear listener. They're called the order of Ecclesia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And your like colleague who you trained with leaves the order and like kind of goes rogue. So there's like a lot of mystery of like, you know, who to trust and like what's going on and Mm -hmm. your mysterious power. So I think, I'm like torn between whether you'll like Portrait of Ruin or this one more. Uh, but I, I do think like the most unique one and and the one that seems to be going after something that like no other Castlevania other than Simon's Quest was going for is Order of Ecclesia. And it's it's kind of in a weird way a, a swan song for that style of Castlevania game. Wow. Castlevania. Well represented on the Nintendo DS, just like Dragon yeah. Quest. Yeah, it's I it's it's weird because I I haven't really heard I'm sure like in you know amongst Castlevania fans like these are known but like I haven't heard as much about these three as I have just like Symphony of the Night or Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in all so. the research I did for you know like best DS games before we started putting our list together, um, even even when we were just putting the playlist together, Castlevania was not on many of them. And yeah, every now and then you'd see Donna Sorrow. 
Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, I think Dawn of Sorrow was like the one that I added to the the playlist initially until uh, you mentioned that there were other ones. I was like, oh, God, I have to check out some other Castlevania <laughs> games. I'm really curious how you will enjoy them. Please report back once you've played more of, of any of them. I will report back. And uh, honestly, it might just come in the form of us having a conversation about them because you're definitely <gasps> going to bring one to the show <laughs> when we do our <laughs> DS episode. Uh, even if it's just an honorable mention, I'm sure we're going to talk about them again. There's a pretty good chance because, yeah, I think I think half of this 48 minute section has been me <laughs> gushing about the occult order of Ecclesia. Yeah. So <laughs> Brendan, Stephen, Brendan, Stephen, that's us <laughs> switching in Portrait of Ruin. OK. And on to our next segment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's, Let's take a break. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you to the Order of Ecclesia for keeping us safe. Thank you, Order of Ecclesia. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Jonathan, for nothing. You're not a Belmont. You're not even a Belmont, dude. Steven, I'm so excited to be back in the podcast. <laughs> Me too. So I can tell you about a new video game I've been playing recently. Yeah. You're being suspicious about this. I know what it is, but I keep keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, and also the listener knows what it is because like it's in the title of the episode and it's in the copy. <laughs> it's in like the description. I don't know why I'm being coy about it. I'm playing multiverses. I got into the alpha of this game and I have made a couple of videos about it that are available on our YouTube. Just uh, want to say that at the top because you can <laughs> you can see my mind change. You can hear my tone of voice change about this game as I'm playing. Um, it's a really interesting thing. So let me just just at the top if you've never heard of multiverses this is a essentially just like straight up clone slash ripoff of super smash brothers um made by warner brothers using all of the warner brothers properties so if you log on to hbo max for example and you just look at their collection if you browse by quote-unquote channels that they have you can see that they have hbo and they have cartoon network and they have a bunch of other things. They have like Studio Ghibli. They have like a bunch of stuff in there. They have Turner Classic Movies, which I think is a thing that I really want to uh, see representation of in multiverses, to be clear. Uh, yeah, give me a bring it up baby level. You know, yeah. that's what I want. Right. Yeah. yeah. I want to see the the uh, the the landing strip from Casablanca as a level. <laughs> um, anyway, Citizen Kane versus <laughs> Rain Dog. Yo. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay, so this this is just like straight up trying to be Super Smash Brothers. It is a free-to-play yeah. game um, that, you know, it's going to monetize a bunch of things. It's available on a whole bunch of platforms, and it's using all of the Warner Brothers intellectual property. Um, so that means like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. That means Game of Thrones. That means Cartoon Network stuff. The current roster in the game, uh, I'll just go through it quickly just so you can like get an idea of what's going on. And then I'll also talk about some of the characters that are apparently like leaked and like data mined and stuff. Cause it really goes off the deep end, but who's currently playable. You got Shaggy from Scooby-Doo wonder woman, uh, an original character made by the developers of the video game called rain dog. I love Jake. That. I love from, rain dog. I also love rain dog. Rain dog is wild. Yeah. Rain dog is uh pretty difficult. They're like very good. Uh, if you, if you play as a good rain dog, uh, anyway, Jake, from Adventure Time, Steven from Steven Universe, Superman, Garnett from Steven Universe, <laughs> Batman, Harley Quinn, Bugs Bunny, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, Tom and Jerry, Finn from Adventure Time, uh, and then the two experimental characters, the ones that they're testing out at the moment in the alpha, are Velma from Scooby-Doo and the Tasmanian Devil from Looney Tunes. Um, and those are the characters that are available at the moment. Dear listener, 
I would understand if you have heard all of this so far and thought, throw it right in the trash. This is not a thing that should exist. The thing about hearing about this game for the first time is you can see the smarmy look of the executive who greenlit it. You know, yes, exactly, who like, exactly, who like yes. walked into work, spilled their coffee on somebody else and said, I have an idea for a video game. Like, I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly why this game exists. Um, and somehow yeah, it's so clear. It's so, it's so it, clear. The, the, yeah. 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 Especially like hot off the heels. The thing that I it's very easy to point at and compare this to is Space Jam, the new Space Jam that came out recently, which just got like absolutely panned, got like absolutely ruined, is also a similar thing. The first Space Jam, obviously, was like Michael Jordan getting sucked into the Looney Tunes world and then, you know, playing basketball against uh, a bunch of cartoons. Great movie. Really fun. Holds up. Um, Space Jam 2 is LeBron James gets sucked into the Internet and has to fight uh, or has to play basketball with the Looney Tunes again against like a bunch of other cartoons. But also they're like in the world of Warner brothers. So they're just like surrounded by every property that Warner brothers owns. It's very like ready player one in the worst way. It's very yeah. like, you know, like you have the, uh, a clockwork orange guys like hanging out in the background what? of the movie, like stuff, which is like, it's a kid's movie. The clockwork orange guy shouldn't be represented here. Pennywise from it shouldn't be represented here. <laughs> and yet they're all in the background of space jam, a new legacy. And that's what this feels like. It feels like we're in this era of Warner Brothers really trying to prove that they're like Nintendo or Disney in that way. Like, oh, look at all the IP that we have that are all connected and like work well together. Like that's you just bought a bunch of other things. It's not it's not how you can't just like duct tape a bunch of things together and say that it's a say that it's a universe. Um, so So there's like there's a very right righteous, I think, like negative take that you can have on this game from the outset. I got the alpha code for this sent to my email and immediately thought, I'm not going to download this. Thanks, though. Like, thanks for thinking of me, but talk to you later. I have 135 DS games to play. Um, (laughs) And then see you later, Shaggy. Yeah, I started getting served videos on YouTube because I watch a lot of competitive Super Smash Brothers of people who play Super Smash Brothers competitively playing multiverses. And all of the video titles were like, this game is good. And I was like, that's very weird for me. But also, I think it's worth mentioning and keeping in the chronology of all this. There was also a very recent attempt at doing this from Nickelodeon, who have this game that's like Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl, I think is maybe the name of it. I think so, yeah. Which kind of was going after a similar thing, taking all the Nickelodeon characters, putting them in a Super Smash Brothers clone. Uh, That one is not free to play, to be clear, Um, which kind of was like maybe the demise of that game, looking back, possibly. But also... It was really kind of like lauded when it came out by competitive players and then ended up fizzling out immediately. And a lot of it from what I can pick up is like, first of all, weirdly not having any like voice acting from the game or from any of the characters really like removed a lot of the charm of it. Um, And also it just like didn't look great visually. Like I don't want to dunk on it too much, but like I didn't feel a cohesion between those characters, even though they were all like 90s Nickelodeon cartoons it didn't feel like they were all represented in that game in a way that felt cohesive, which is amazing. Again, just to be clear, like it's wild when you play super smash brothers, especially ultimate. And all of those characters seem like they should be in the same space at all. Yeah. Um, the thing Seth I always, in Minecraft, Steve is like more jarring than anything in multiverses, but it works. Yes. Like visually. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, somehow, somehow it always works. Um, 
And somehow also the Nickelodeon game didn't work out. So I was like a little bit on the back foot, I think, with multiverses, you know, hearing that it like maybe it's good, but at least it was it was enough for me to say, like, well, I'll download the free thing and see how it is. Like, I have early access to this. I might as well check it out. Um, and I jumped in, did the tutorial. They have you play a shaggy and they teach you like a bunch of the moves. And and one of the moves is like, hold down triangle to do like a neutral special move. Uh, you know, don't like touch the, the analog stick in any way. And he started charging up like he was Goku uh, and then became super powered. And I was like, what the fuck is this video game? OK. <laughs> and then I started like doing, you know, the Super Smash Brothers thing. I was running around. I was like jumping, doing like neutral airs, doing like forward airs, back airs, things like that. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, Shaggy is Captain Falcon. Like Shaggy is straight up Captain Falcon, <laughs> except he can charge up like Goku and like Peach. He can uh, rip sandwiches out of the ground and throw them at his enemies. Uh, mm. Bizarre. Really weird. I was like, OK, <laughs> immediately they have you go on to play as Wonder Woman next. And Wonder Woman, I think, was an interesting experience because it was almost the like opposite of Shaggy, where it's like, why is Shaggy Captain Falcon? Wonder Woman plays exactly like you think Wonder Woman would play. And it was in that moment running around as Wonder Woman that I was like, oh, this game feels really, really good. Like they they fucking nailed the the movement, the flow of combat in this game. Um, honestly, the the worst thing I can say about the way this game feels is that I'm playing it on the dual sense, which I realize I don't like for a fighting game. Um, it is kind of weirdly my takeaway. I will probably end up playing this game on the switch when it comes out. Um, but that having been said, I actually don't even know if it's coming out to switch. I just kind of said that, uh, it might not be coming out to switch. <laughs> if that's the case, I'll probably play it on Xbox then. But anyway, um, I, I really like the way this game feels. Um, and I think weirdly enough, Shaggy and Wonder Woman are like the two that they have you play as early on just to like give you a taste of what this game is all about. Um, and then you start to move on to the other characters and it gets really wild from there. I think that's that's the part where the game really started to click for me in terms of like what they're trying to do, because. I mean, some of these characters play in absolutely ludicrous ways, like Velma is the character I've been playing mostly because uh, I, I went through they have like a, a test lab area where you can just like play as any character um, and I, I just went through and I played as everybody and like some characters are harder than others to kind of get a handle on. And they actually almost like an Overwatch kind of situation or like a League of Legends. They have like how difficult is this character to play as uh, when you're yeah, I always appreciate them. that. Yeah, me too. Guilty Gear does that as well. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. I think that's really helpful. Um, So Shaggy and Wonder Woman, as I mentioned, are like the you know top tier or, or like the easiest to get into. Um, But then like Arya Stark and Steven Universe are like the hard characters to play as. Uh, for some reason, which is very silly. Uh, Velma as experimental. I was like, I wonder what experimental means in this context. And the answer is that like Velma is just like an experimental character. Velma is just like completely unlike really anything I've seen in a fighting game, which is really interesting. She's um, almost like Game and Watch in the way she animates like totally. The, yes. The different like icons popping up and stuff. Yeah. yeah she's like a blend of like a hundred different kinds of characters, like all rolled into one. And she's listed as a support character, which I also think is very funny. Cause I don't know how she's supporting <laughs> the team, but the whole idea with Velma is that uh, instead of like punching and kicking, you're like yelling out loud. You're like saying stuff out loud. You're just like being sassy and cool uh, the whole time. So it's just like actual word balloons, like flying out of your mouth and like hitting people in the face. So you have this like amazing range in your melee attacks, just because you're like your word balloons go out really, really far. You can also, if nobody's near you, you can just press square, sorry, the square button. So I guess like the neutral attack button 
and your your word balloons will like shoot out like rockets in front of you. But then also simultaneously, the, all of your special moves are essentially you searching for clues. So as you're like beating the shit out of whoever you're beating the shit out of it, you can like whip out a camera and take a picture of something or you can like make a concoction and throw it on the ground, which will like debuff the enemy. Or you can like take out a book and study for a bit and you'll find all of these clues all over the map. They'll just like constantly spawn either as you're doing those actions or just randomly. And if you collect enough of them, you figure out who the murderer is. And it turns out whoever you're playing against is old man Jenkins in disguise. Uh, and then <laughs> the police come and uh, they get thrown into a cop car and then the cop car drives off the side of the map and they die. And that's, that's Velma. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not real. That can't be the thing that's in the video game, but it sure is what I'm going to spend all my time doing. And I've been playing almost exclusively as Velma and it's fucking great. It's really fun. Nobody knows how to counter Velma, but all that having been said, the reason I'm bringing and going so deep into Velma specifically is i just think that like they're taking chances they got they nailed the fundamentals and they're already like going a step beyond that and doing something really interesting that having been said i think there are two things that make this game stand up against pretty much everything against at least my own preconceptions of it there are two things that are kind of pushing against this tide outside of the fact that like they are actually thinking about how to make these characters fight in interesting ways number one is that the the internet is like rock solid like the online play is completely sick like it really works perfectly it feels like you're playing sitting next to somebody on the couch it has rollback net code i don't actually know what that means but everybody seems very excited about it so i'm gonna say it on the podcast and yeah, it all it's, sounds it's a smart big thing too. for fighting games guilty gear has that as well yeah cool that's great uh <laughs> it's essentially a way to prevent like fighting games are especially sensitive to like internet connection because like you know yes. like uh, lag and everything it's essentially a way to like take even more preventative measures from that so like frames will like load uh to make up for lag so you don't have any interruptions interesting that's my understanding of it at least that's cool um, um yeah so i mean put that up against even super smash brothers and it feels like yeah significantly better it feels significantly right. better than playing super smash brothers online which is pretty wild number two is there's another aspect of this game. I've been playing mostly 1v1, but the focus of the game actually is 2v2. It's actually playing cooperatively and competitively simultaneously. So the way it works is, as with Super Smash Brothers, you have like the regular attacks, you know, your punches and kicks, or in Velma's case, the word balloons. But you have your special attacks, which are all doing wild things. Wonder Woman, for example, she has a shield that she can use uh, if you're pressing the triangle button, your special attack button. If you, you know, do like a shield down, you'll kind of like create this bubble around you that will block whatever your next hit is going to be. Um, if you do like a neutral special attack uh, in the air or on the ground, you will use your lasso to like grab the enemy and pull them closer to you so you can like continue a combo and beat the shit out of them or whatever. If you're playing cooperatively, all of your special attacks go from being actual attacks to being like cooperative helpful support attacks so in the case of wonder woman that lasso now actually takes your ally and brings them closer to you it does it no longer homes onto the enemy so if they're getting knocked off the edge of the map or something or like they've used all of their jumps or something and can't make it back you can use your lasso to pull your ally back onto the field if you do your down special your shield will also proc on Uh, your ally as well so they'll also be able to block whatever the next attack is going to be and that that is the case for pretty much every character all of their all their special moves will change from being actual attacks to supportive moves um and that takes an idea from super smash brothers competitive play and 
bakes it into the game in a way that I think is really cool because as much as a lot of like online competitive Super Smash Brothers or like if you're watching it on Twitch or whatever, as much as that is very much 1v1 focused, the 2v2 side of that game is really cool and really interesting, specifically just the way people decide to pair up certain characters. But at the end of the day, it really is just like two people kind of fighting individually, trying to make decisions to help one another. Right. So it's like, okay, how are we splitting up the team that we're up against? When is the time to, you know, gang up on this person? And when is the time to split up, et cetera, et cetera? Like, am I am I going to make myself bait so somebody else can like charge up this more powerful move, et cetera? There are strategies here and there that you can employ. But at the end of the day, you're just playing Super Smash Brothers the way you normally would just with like this kind of extra layer of stuff. This is a completely different thing because this is actually really taking the focus and making it on helping your ally to help them succeed. Um, it, it adds a whole it adds a whole nother layer to competitive play in this kind of game that I think is like actually really compelling and really cool. I've done a little bit of it and it's it's they pulled it off. Yeah, I, I, I have not played it, but I've watched your video on it. And it's very clear that the developers who worked on this really know fighting games. Like you can see any character and be like, oh, like you said, Shaggy is Captain Falcon and Peach and, you know, other characters and even Velma, who, you know, is a little bit more unique. Like I was talking in the discord people about how her evidence uh, move is very similar to Phoenix, right? In Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm-hmm. So like, right. There seems I imagine and I hope this is the case, but I imagine that this game was like fun to work on in the sense of like, how do we make this character fight? You know, like what is what is Shaggy going to do on the (laughs) battlefield? And um, and I think what also is really smart is that like the I didn't really I didn't know about the co-op focus. I like that a lot. But I also noticed just watching you play is that it has the the usual like two rounds of a fighting game. Mm -hmm. Because with Smash, it's usually like stock or time right. or coin if you're if you abide by no laws. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> stock or time, like time, you're going to play very aggressively and you're going to just try to knock the opponent out as many times as possible. And then stock is like, OK, I have usually three lives, final yeah, destination. Three to five lives, yeah. The fact that they make it just, you know, match point like there's you have to win twice. Mm-hmm. It also seems like it's much it takes more work to get knocked out. Uh, yes. for the most part it seems like it's much more like it, it builds up to that in a way which i think is really cool because the thing about like games that have tried to be smash is that you either just end up copying it entirely mm-hmm. um or you try to like force in something different like i think the first big smash clone was sony all-stars which is yeah i think kind of a lesson in what not to do because like even though like that was very clearly like Sony, like, okay, we, we are also a video game, co- a video game company. We have all these characters. Why shouldn't they all fight? But like something <laughs> about it was just nauseating. Like seeing like yeah. evil Cole from infamous fight prep with a rapper was like, no. And then, <laughs> then the levels were also combinations, but all, even that aside, the, the thing that really hurt that game was that like, it was all boiling up to like, you only won by using your special move. So right. like, the actual battles didn't really matter. It just matters like when you get your special move and when you use it, which is like maybe kind of interesting, but it just didn't really work. And clearly the game didn't really land with people the way smash did. And the thing about smash and, and there's a lot of angles to this with multiverses. Cause like the thing about smash is that it is also a commercial thing. It is also like a big commercial for all Nintendo games, but at the very least, the the original idea 
seem to come from an authentic place of creativity. Mm-hmm. Like Sakurai's initial pitch of like, what if we had all these characters fight each other and like, like, you know, dolls in a kid's room, right? That was the first smash brothers was like yeah. this like toy chest of like Donkey Kong and Samus. And at that time that wasn't really a sure thing. Like it was kind of a, somewhat of a risky idea. Yeah. Like crossover fighting games had existed. I think Marvel vs. Capcom predates Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. But like that initial idea was from a creative place. And I think that kind of like Mario Kart, you know, started and continued and like people like clung to that series. Smash Brothers kind of became that. Yeah. The idea of like, oh, another company, like I love Crash Team Racing, but there's a reason why that didn't really take off the same way Mario Kart did either. Because it's <laughs> like, you can't just put your characters into a thing because you want to make money. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> at a certain point, that's just not like, even if you do it really well, yeah. there's there's something there that will just not connect with with audiences the same way. Like, I, I truly believe as commercial as all of this is, I really do believe that like when something is made with any kind of creative authenticity, that is like the missing ingredient that connects audiences to a thing. Completely. You know? Agree. Yeah. And I think that like with multiverses, it seems like it's really well done. It seems that they were able to like make it different enough that like, it's still very much smash, but like, it is going after almost more of a like fighting game meets like Overwatch or League of Legends style like hero based gameplay with like the weird perks you can unlock and like yeah. this sort of classification of roles. I also do think it was a good idea. I'm like a little bit hesitant to fully embrace like a like Fortnite ish art style because it seems like kind of the default for a lot of games now. But I do think it was a smart idea to like redraw all the characters to all fit the same visual look that way. Like having Aria fight Steven universe, like it looks, they look like they're from the same world. Yeah. I I don't think it's inherently bad to do something like this. I don't like of all the evil things you can do in this world as a giant (laughs) corporation, putting your characters in a pre-existing video game idea is very low on the list. That being said, I do think it speaks to a larger issue of this, like, corporate push to make everything universes right Mm -hmm. it's like oh like everything is gonna collide and you know it's almost like retconning just companies you have purchased (laughs) into like a creative decision yeah exactly what i'm saying yes like i don't want like a comed like utility bill like universe you know like i don't want like (laughs) not everything (laughs) like oh yeah exxon and shell hell yeah dude Because at a certain point, that's what it feels like, where it's like, this is like, so like you have hired the best people to pitch this to me, but the idea itself is like laced with greed. And that's like, I think kind of what you talked about initially with like the, the rejection of this idea. I'm like, I'm very open to playing it. I'm sure I will enjoy it. Um, And I I do think there's a whole other conversation that I kind of have in my head as a fan of fighting games. I think fighting games have always kind of been very niche. And I think they need, sometimes they rely on like celebrity cameos to like sell copies. Like even Tekken, which is like probably the biggest fighting game of all time. Like Negan from Walking Dead is in it and Noctis from Final Fantasy 15. And like, yeah, they have all Yoda these crossover events. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's my metric of 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 nausea with cameos where it's like because it, it reads as desperate. You know, it doesn't I read agree. as like, yeah. oh, this is fun. It reads as like, do you love this, please? <laughs> OK, so <laughs> you know? I, I agree. With, I agree with you 
one billion percent on all of this yeah. to be clear the thing about multiverses for me specifically is it it should be bad right you hear this idea and in any case where anything like this is happening like yoda and soul caliber like <laughs> your your reaction is like disgust immediately your reaction is like this should not happen i'm not going to play this i don't enjoy this this shouldn't exist i don't want to support this etc etc the thing the thing about multiverses is i what it feels like is a weird executive pitch this idea and then everyone who actually had to make the thing said like okay if we're if we're given this then we're going to make the best it. of it. Yeah. yeah. We're going to try Absolutely. and do whatever we yeah. can to make it good. And totally. I, I weirdly, I weirdly respect that. Like knowing that, oh, yeah. that there's a team of people who took this idea that like feels like it was made in bad faith and came out the other end with like a product that like, again, I can't, I can't come in here and say like, yes, play the free to play hyper monetized in app purchase video game. Like that's never going to be the vibe of this podcast. Um, but we did get really into League of Legends for a minute. So, you know, maybe, maybe not, but that's true. I, I, I also digress. have an yeah. Ian Odin coming uh, in a couple days, which I'm very excited about. And the first game I'm going to download that sure is Genjin Impact. So, uh, so, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Great assault. Uh, yeah. Follow the money. Um, but that having been said, <laughs> um, that having been said, I, I I feel like when you announce a game like Multiverses, the immediate the immediate reaction from every audience is going to be this is a failure. Before they've gotten their hands on it, before it's come out, before they've seen a lick of gameplay, you hear about a Super Smash Brothers clone with Warner Brothers characters, and you're like failure immediately, dead on arrival. <laughs> no way it can succeed. And I I think it's miraculous that like I'm actually bringing it to the show at all. Again, this is a podcast where we only talk about games we like. I really like multiverses, and in a lot of cases, while I'm playing other games, I think to myself, I think I'd rather be playing multiverses right now. And I go back and hop back into the alpha, and I continue to beat the shit out of people as Velma because nobody knows how to fight Velma. That's that's wild that that's happening. That's wild that I've had such a huge 180 on this thing. And I really, I really am like pretty impressed by it. Um, I, I think it helps that the Nickelodeon game came out so recently. So you can get a really good, like a and B kind of example of like how to make this work and how to not make this work. I think the fact that this is free to play means it'll maybe actually be like moderately successful. Um, but I do think that the fact that the gameplay is so stellar and that it's cross-platform, like playable on a whole bunch of different places, and you can play with your friends regardless of what console they're on, is a huge boon for this, especially in the face of something like Super Smash Brothers, because this is to me, this is no longer in the in like the vein of just make it work at all, but is like you're actually competing against Super Smash Brothers here. And they've done some things that actually I do for real think are better than Super Smash Brothers. I've already talked about the fact that the online like works and is reliable and good. Yeah, for um, real. I think I think the focus on cooperative play is really fun to like hop in with your friend uh, and like help each other out. I think that's like a really cool thing to like party up and like go and fight a bunch of random people. That's like a really interesting thing. Um, And on top of that, the fact that it's available on every platform that Super Smash Brothers is not is hugely beneficial for that game. I think I think from like just a pure ass business, like again, very like cynical perspective it's very helpful that it's out on everything that is not the Nintendo switch. Um, and might even also be on the Nintendo switch. Um, that's, that's all like good. Those are all good decisions. 
Yeah. And I also think too, going back to what I was saying about like the sort of reliance on cameo, I also don't think that's always a bad thing. Cause like, while I do love seeing fighting games succeed on their own merits, like I I'm very happy that guilty gear strive sold so well. Cause it, I mean, that's a long running series, but like, mm-hmm. you know, no one knows who's in that game unless you've been following it since the nineties. No one's yeah. like, Oh yeah. Soul bad guy. <laughs> but, uh, I also think that fighting games at their heart are also kind of like, like a celebration of the cast, whoever yeah. they are. And like, I mean, I loved playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z and just kicking Vegeta's ass as Piccolo and Videl. I'm like, this would never happen in the show, but I'm yeah. so glad I can do this. I got really good as Videl, let me tell you. That's awesome. Um, Beerus, Videl, and Piccolo were my team. Wow. Anyway, I think like there's there's a take as simple as like it's fun to fight as Velma. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, at a certain point, you go so far on the other end where it's like, all right, I'll I'll eat the corporate slop. I'll fight as well, but whatever. You know, like it is like these are fun characters. And like it is like I think if there's any area where I am open to like, oh, we have all these characters together. We have our own universe. It is in a fighting game because I think it is fun to like just have that ensemble together in a sense, yeah. even though like. I, I've I've already voiced my hesitation and I've already voiced my observation on like why this is kind of like in some ways a piece of a larger problem on like a corporate media level. Mm. I do think like isolated from that just as a fighting game, it's not a bad idea. It's kind of fun, you know. Like I think, yeah. and it looks it looks like a good game. I'll probably play it and enjoy it. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. It's it's in uh, alpha right now, closed alpha right now, and then it's going to be in an open beta, uh, and then will hit 1.0 and i guess launch which i think is weird i think it's weird to have a free-to-play game be an open beta that just is launch to be clear like if if your game is free to download and anyone can download it then then it's out uh yeah i wonder if they just say that to avoid anyone being like you gotta nerf velma you know it's like it's like okay it's open beta super weird yeah um that having been said um I, I appreciate the characters that they've launched with because they're like completely wild. Like even as we're talking about again, I, I think Velma really is kind of like the eye of the duck of multiverses in a way <laughs> <laughs> where like the fact that they're you like, have, you might've actually hurt Dom and Adam with that one. I feel <laughs> I felt uh, their pain there. Yeah. The fact that they have two Scooby-Doo characters in this game and neither of them are Scooby-Doo is like, wild you know like that they went with shaggy and velma is like so cool and i think says a lot about where their head is at um that having been said i would love to talk about the uh rumored and data mined characters that are coming i'm scared multiverse yeah lay it on me because this is okay there are two there are two areas of the game that i am concerned about number one is one actually you mentioned already which is perks which is as you continue to play the game as certain characters you unlock these things called perks which will like boost your stats in various ways so like with Velma, for example, one of the perks that you can unlock is that the um, the ranged speech bubbles you shoot out at your enemies will do like 10% extra damage. It's like a perk that you can unlock. It works similarly to like um, like a Call of Duty 4 kind of progression system where like as you continue to play the game, you'll get experience and you'll level up. So everyone has the ability to unlock all those perks. So like the more time you invest in a character, the more perks you'll unlock for that character. That is not locked at all behind in-app purchases. All the in-app purchase stuff is like cosmetic stuff. They're doing like costumes for the different characters. So like there's a version of Shaggy that is like uh, kind of like Henry Hatsworth almost, who's like, you know, very proper. Um, There's like a samurai version of Batman. Um, The other stuff you can unlock is like uh, classic shit, like banners. You know, um, there's 
when you knock somebody out, there's like a ring out effect uh, that you can get. So like one of them is like the that's all folks. So like when you hit someone that's off awesome. the Yeah, when you hit somebody off the side of the thing, like Porky Pig comes out and says that's all folks. Um, which is great. And I have that one equipped, obviously. Um, you can get like different announcer voices also. Also, I think if you level up a character all the way, you can get them as the announcer for the match, which is cool. Oh, that's fun. I like um, that. Yeah. But all of that stuff, all of those cosmetics, those are the things that you like pay for and use the in-game currency on, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like perks are not the thing. That having been said, we have also seen that not be the case very recently with a game that you and I liked when it came out, which is Pokemon Unite. Like Pokemon Unite came out immediately we were like something about the in-app purchase structure of this game seems a little bit weird um and then when it eventually came out of uh early access and was in 1.0 and they were like really pushing the game pretty hard that some of the in-app purchase stuff was like yeah you can get like permanent buffs for your characters etc etc i'm really like dramatic yeah it was very much a pay to win structure yeah which was unfortunate yeah and it was because it was a fun game it seems like they don't have the structure for that here yet but, you know, if this game comes out and like loses 50 percent of its uh, of its of, of its player base within like a year or something like who knows what like switch they're going to flip on the back end in terms of like, OK, well, how do we like wildly monetize and and go after the people who are still playing this game and like turn them all into whales? You know, like that's that's my real concern about this game um, yeah. is like I feel like, you know, outside of the fact that it's kind of going after this like kind of like Fortnite fun goofy cosmetic thing you you could like turn up the dial and it could get really bad really quick um and again this is like Warner Brothers we're talking about like I don't I don't trust them <laughs> I don't trust them to be good uh it's it's nice that they're being good now in alpha but who knows what it's going to look like you know in 1.0 and beyond um so with that happy part out of the way let's talk about all these characters um characters that are coming the joker not surprising Sure. Marv- Marvin the Martian oh, from wow. Looney Tunes, which I think is fun. That's a fun idea. I, um, I'm, a, I'm into a Looney Tunes roster for sure. Me too. I, I, I also yeah. really like Marvin the Martian. I think like me he's, too. Got, yeah. he's got a great voice. Uh, yeah. Here's a fun one. This is this is confirmed in the game files. Currently, you can like listen to all of his voice lines right now on YouTube.com. And I sure have LeBron James from oh my God. <laughs> the Space Jam Space movie Jam. that I just talked about uh he sure is going to be a character in this game i honestly think that that's going to be way better than him in space jam if i were to guess i think playing (laughs) as lebron james in multiverses is going to be sick um yeah absolutely raven from teen titans which is fun uh gandalf and legolas from lord of the rings which i don't i don't understand actually the rights situation for that um but they're going to be in there and i think that's very interesting i have no idea how that's going to work um (laughs) forgot about this and obviously like you know huge fuck you to jk rowling uh just for like everything that she's done uh over the past couple years but harry potter and ron weasley are going to be in this game as well kind of unsurprising the harry potter thing is like a huge part of the warner brothers catalog so kind of makes sense um kind of on that note uh just in terms of like huge properties i think or like big pop culture zeitgeisty properties is that rick and morty are both going to be characters in this game and i'm curious to see if they're going to be like are they going to be like an ice climbers or are they going to be separate characters? I would love the idea of Rick and Morty together. It was funny. I was streaming this game uh, recently and shout out to Matt Horton uh, who was in chat and also makes great YouTube videos. Go follow Matt on YouTube. Um, yeah. But uh, 
Matt's idea for Rick and Morty was that uh, it was like Pokemon Trainer where Rick was hanging out in the back and had different multiverse versions of Morty that he would throw out <laughs> like Pokemon. I actually uh, like that a lot. Yeah, it's an incredible idea. And uh, yeah. I, who knows what that'll end up being like. Another one they have is um, this is like a maybe kind of a deep cut for Rick and Morty stuff. But Cromulon, who is uh, a giant floating head that shows up in the sky and yells, show me what you got. And it's like like demands that uh, planets write kind of like a hit song kind of like eurovision in a way i have no idea if that's real or why that's on this list but uh crummy launcher is there um fred flintstone going deeper into the hanna-barbera catalog fred flintstone mm-hmm. i think would be fun um yeah also in the cartoon network zeitgeist johnny bravo who i'm exhilarated oh. by the prospect of oh my god yeah. i wouldn't i something i don't know what this says about me but i feel like i have to be a johnny bravo main yeah. i don't know why but that just feels like it's written in the sky i have also heard that samurai jack also from like a similar era uh, cool. of cartoon network is is maybe going to be in here uh they're not on this list that i'm reading off of currently but um I've, I've heard some stuff about samurai jack uh maybe being in this game mad max uh which is an interesting one i don't <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be like Tom Hardy, Mad Max or Mel Gibson, Mad Max. I would hope they wouldn't go with Mel Gibson, Mad Max. Uh, I feel like as soon as I'm starting to like kind of get like a vibe, like, okay, these all kind of go together. I get like a left hook just like immediately. Just I actually the, the ones that are coming up are like on a completely different level. Um, so Waterworld, <laughs> a DVD of Waterworld. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the guy who greenlit so- this game. Uh, (laughs) for real he just spills coffee Uh, i don't know why that's the only (laughs) attribute i've i've given to this person yeah everyone's spilling coffee in in your fictional version (laughs) and green lighting multi-million dollar nightmare shit um yeah uh ben 10 ben 10's gonna be in the game oh yeah godzilla and king kong uh, I mean, why not? At this point, you know, sure. I love it because I feel I feel like Ridley in Super Smash Brothers paved the way for Godzilla and King Kong being in this game. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I'm into I'm into yeah. Godzilla and King Kong. Make them make them that. huge. Make them gigantic. I think that's great. Uh, also, because you know why? I think some of that like classic monster movie stuff and the Hanna Barbera stuff feels the most like a cohesive brand yeah. for me. Yeah, you know, it's I, like I know what you mean. that. Also, feels the most like. Uh, I don't know. I, subjectively, that's what I've been most excited about hearing this roster. Yeah. Um, Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Neo mains are going to be like akin to the Marth energy. Yeah. Like you're really good at this. You're countering everything. Yeah. Yeah. You're dodging oh my all my God. attacks. Yeah. Neo. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, buckle up. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm actually like shaking a little bit. Sub Zero and Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. I, that's right. They're WB as well. I mean, this is also like because they had the whole uh, the DC fighting games. What were they called? Injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot They're of by like Nether Realm. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a lot of crossover with that as well. With like there I think uh, like Freddy and Jason were in that game. <laughs> I think you might be right. So, yeah, why not? Yoda also. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, continue to stay buckled up for this one. Cause okay, this yeah, is, my seatbelt's on. This is the one I'm actually most excited about of all of them. I'm sc- okay, okay. Gizmo. Oh, from the Gremlins? From Gremlins. 
I love that. That's great. I also love Gizmo. Gizmo. It's yeah. exact opposite vibe of Godzilla and King Kong. It's like, how small can we make the character that you're playing? Yeah, as? yeah, yeah. I love the idea of Gizmo. I hope you play as a hundred gremlins who have all <laughs> been dunked in water. I'm like exhilarated by the idea of Gizmo being in this game. I, you know what it is? What I'm realizing is that the, all the characters in animation feel like I can, my brain can understand yeah. it better than, than Neo showing up or Gandalf and Legolas. <laughs> Again, it's, it's all going to be in a cohesive art style, I know, but it's just like yeah. a little bit of a harder ask for my, for my brain. Yeah, I think the best way of visualizing that right now is the way Arya Stark looks. You called that out earlier, yeah. but, but the, way, the way they've drawn Arya Stark um really really actually fits the characters uh or the character lineup weirdly like it doesn't it doesn't seem so out of place to be like Arya stark versus fucking tom and jerry weirdly enough yeah um the last the last one on this list is uh up in the air nobody knows what it means uh but they're just called emmett and they might be emmett which is chris pratt's character from the lego movie or it could be like actually dr emmett brown from back to the future uh which i hope oh because One of the things that I I think is worth mentioning about this game is that they actually have all of the people who play these characters voicing them. That's cool. It's like a huge piece of this game that I think really adds a lot to the charm of it. They actually like they got Kevin Conroy to play Batman. So like they got like one of the most iconic Batman voices in here. They got uh, they got um, is it Mark Hamill as Joker? I don't know. I or mean, Joker, Joker's not in the game yet, but that's maybe. right. That's right. Um, I think I think Matthew Lillard is playing Shaggy in this also um obviously like from all the cartoons i got like those characters and one of the wild things about it is all of the characters have voice lines based on where they are it's like what what level are you playing on who your teammate is or who you're fighting against so they all have like banter between like who they're fighting with or against which is that's awesome so silly um so like some of the voice lines that i heard for um for lebron james are like him like very literally dunking on Rick from Rick and Morty, uh, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Uh, one of the other characters I didn't mention, but got confirmed in one of the trailers for this is uh, the Iron Giant. And that actually is where I start to worry. And that's the reason I saved Iron Giant for last, because Iron Giant shows up alongside Superman and is like, I'm ready to fight. And it's like, that's the opposite of what that movie's about. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm a huge Iron Giant yes, fan. Same. And or I'm a fan of that movie, I should say. It's not a series. But I'm <laughs> I I reject the ready player oneification of Iron Giant. I agree. Sure. Stop putting Iron yeah. Giant in things where he has to fight. That's what that's yeah. the movie's about him not fighting. <laughs> the movie's about pacifism. <laughs> yeah, it's like putting Bambi in this game. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Let's put Bambi's parents in <laughs> multiverses. Bambi's a summon in Kingdom Hearts. Really? I just unlocked Bambi in my uh, Kingdom Hearts playthrough that I've been doing on YouTube. <laughs> so is uh, Chicken Little. Remember that yeah. one? Yeah. I wonder if Chicken Little will be in multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think hearing the full roster, I don't even know where I stand on this game anymore. But I think we've probably spoken to everything we can about it currently. Yeah. It numbs your brain when you think about all the yeah. characters. Neo making small talk with Fred Flintstone is exciting to me. <laughs> They're going to get Keanu Reeves to be like, Fred, great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Neo having to... 
casually explain the Matrix to Fred Flintstone is high art. Oh I my god! See that. Neo and Shaggy are gonna be like buds. Oh wow! Yeah, there's this. Uh, th- I do. I honestly do like that. There's gonna be banter. That it's similar. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom three did a little bit of that sometimes. Yeah. It was not like for everyone, but like, you know, if there were if there were characters that were related, they'd be like, you're going down, Dr. Doom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm excited for the inevitable friendship between Neo and Shaggy. <laughs> it's oh man, I, I feel like a I feel like a corporate <laughs> shill. <laughs> you say, Fred, it's good to see you. Just like I felt the like iron hot stencil on the front of my brain that's just gonna be floating around my head forever i want to wake up and like be unsure if i'm awake or not and just be like fred it's good to see you <laughs> fred viva rock vegas right yeah. i actually don't know what fred flintson sounds like off the top of my head so I, he's just completely silent i think his jaw is just on the floor when he sees neo i got three words for you yabba dabba do what I hope, I hope that Rain Dog isn't the last of the original roster. I hope they just keep throwing in like WB's OCs into the roster. Like, why Man, not? You know, the, the audacity to launch this game in alpha with an original character in the lineup yeah. is like, I love I th- it. I think it's amazing. I, th- I yeah. like cannot respect this team more than just being like, yeah, cool. We got Bugs Bunny, Arya Stark superman and also we just like throw our own guy in there who we think is as good as them (laughs) (laughs) it's like mario golf for half the roster was just like people named like charlie (laughs) (laughs) just like regular people yeah Yeah. sunny yeah that was Um, the best that was the best thing about that game series i think was that like it took you a while to get to mario like mario wasn't in that game for a long time mario was like the 10th character you got and then in advanced tour mario was like a golf legend like yes. it was like people would joke like oh one day you might be as good as mario at golf as mario um and like the there was the stained glass window of mario where the sun like <laughs> poured his face onto this on the floor anyway um i'm excited to get really good as johnny bravo we should play this together when it comes out that could, that could be fun i would love that i would love that so yeah. much um I'm, i have i actually have more to say about the game which is wild to think uh, but I think for like the sake of literally every person, uh, I'm going to say that we should stop this segment <laughs> and move on to different video games. Fred, there's so much at stake right now. <laughs> Fred, we got to end the segment. Well, I know who we're cosplaying as next Comic-Con. Um, anyway, let's move on. Goodbye. See you, Fred. Goodbye, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, but don't do what I did. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Fred, what world is Rain Dog from? I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh, he's an original character made by Player First Games. <laughs> Steven, good to see you. <laughs> hey, Brendan. It's me, Steven. versus. I'm oh, a new character. I, I mean, there is, is a character Steven. named Steven in there. <laughs> what if it is Alex? Steven, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. It's like a weird pencil with a face. I'm Steven the pencil. I'm not from anything. I'm just happy to be here. I'm ready to, I'm ready to fight King Kong. When I fight, I can, I'm a pencil, so I can, either, I can write words and erase them. It's fine. I'm just happy to be here alongside everyone else.
You've got to nerf Steven. I know it's open beta, but he's unstoppable. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just hanging out with my friends, Fred and King Kong. (laughs) (laughs) You know what it is? Multiverses truly has cat's energy. I'm realizing this now. Now that all my hairs are sticking out like, like porcupine pins, cats, cats aura on this game. I'm amazed that we made it through that whole segment without starting some kind of lobbying for what characters we demand in it. Like I am now fully in like <laughs> Waluigi for multiverses mode. <laughs> I mean, that makes that that is more on brand for him than being in Smash Brothers. He would be in the knockoff. He would be WB in multiverses. Version. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. I'm curious about now is who does own the rights to cats 2019 oh turns out it's uh, universal unfortunately it's not warner brothers okay well once we get universes uh you know we'll we'll see him there oh fuck (laughs) universe (laughs) it's really upsetting that you really that you came up with universes that quickly that was really good i'm I'm, thank you i'm good at what i do (laughs) okay well um what are we doing oh yeah we were talking about soccer (laughs) I'm going to throw it to a break. I'm editing this one. I'm throwing yeah, it to a yeah, break. Yeah, sure. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go to a break. break. We just pulled ourselves off stage with a game. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> Whatever. Warner Brothers does own Discovery Channel and Animal Planet, which does mean that, like, just a giraffe could be in multiverses. Is Bill Nye the Science Guy Discovery? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I just want a stage of Neo getting his ass kicked. <laughs> like, Bill, 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 Bill in the background. <laughs> oh, man. Warner Brothers owns so much shit. I mean, you know, obviously horrifying, <laughs> but like they own so much stuff. They own the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oprah could be in multiverses. They own the Travel Channel, the Food Network. We could get Bobby Flay. We could get Gordon Ramsay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There is Gordon Ramsay is the character I want in this. Steven, the odds of Gordon Ramsay being in this game now, now that we're saying this out loud, very high. Gordon Ramsay yeah. loves video games, loves making video games that he is in. I am sure that he wants to be in multiverses and I am sure that they will get him in multiverses. And I imagine that they will have to bleep out all of his voice lines. And I think that that will be very good and fun. What I want from Gordon Ramsay in multiverses, I'm just going to say it like it's an assumed thing now, is his <laughs> TikToks where he just will judge someone's cooking as they're doing it in a duet. I, I want it. that before the match. Like, oh, come on, Fred. You know, like, in the <laughs> right. Easy. Wow. That was a close match. But I really think if Rain Dog keeps working as a family with Fred, they'll get through this. Unbelievable. Dinner and a show. <laughs> Oh God! I'm just Gordon, looking. It's good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I like our version is just like idle chatter. There's not even fighting. It's just like them like meeting backstage. Like, oh hey, good match up there. Yeah, I would love if in like the load screen they would just like have Fire Emblem banter, like Fire Emblem support yeah. scenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I got to I got to B level support with Neo and Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, should we actually go to break now or or uh I don't know do what's happening to this here? episode anymore. Um <laughs> let's, Yeah, let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm going to actually I'm going to stand up. 
<laughs> gonna, like stand yeah. up. I think you want to both be stand up? Yeah, I would love to stand. Up. I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna stand up. Okay, I'm standing up. I'm also standing up. I'm. I'm not thinking about Gordon or Neo. Yeah, here. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Think about all the WB properties and assets you you know and love and can't wait to see in multiverses. Yeah, like the Property Brothers. <laughs> and then <laughs> your nose and, and forget them. Leave them behind you. You yeah. have fun, but you got to move on. Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel great now. Gordon who? I don't remember a thing. I don't know a single Gordon. All right. <sighs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Hello, we're back. We're back. Uh, I have two more games I want to talk about. One of them I'm going to talk about very briefly. One of them is going to be a little bit of a longer experience. But uh, I'm excited. you'll find out why they're paired together very quickly. Uh, the first one is Super Mario Strikers Battle League, which is the new uh, Nintendo Switch video game. Game of the Summer. Uh, is how I've been thinking about it, considering everything else got delayed out of the summer. So there's really not a whole <laughs> lot coming out this summer. Yeah. Except for Mario Strikers, uh, which is a game that I think you and I were both very excited about uh, when it was yeah. announced, just because it seems like, I don't know, it seems exciting. It just seems like an exciting thing. Uh, it's it's a, another Mario sports game. They've kind of been hit or miss, I think. But it seems like with Mario Strikers, they're very much trying to go back to like what made the Mario Strikers thing work uh, and going and looking at the GameCube one, which was that one charged Mario Strikers charged? I think so. Yeah. And that's the only other Strikers game, right? So it's it's been a long time. Oh, yeah, it might just be that one. Yeah. This. Yeah. There might be. I feel like there might be a 3DS one. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. either way, it hasn't been revisited in a long time. So this is a uh, this is a game where you and uh, your other Mario friends play soccer or football, depending on what part of the world you're in together with a bunch of like, you know, Mario Kart items, essentially in power ups and stuff like that. And everybody's got their own special abilities and whatever. They released a demo for this game this morning as of the time of this recording, which unfortunately is not like a really full featured demo, which is why I'm not going to talk about it very much. It is only the tutorial. It is only like, here's how you Mm. play the game. But I did make a video about it this morning and it actually does take like 30 to 45 minutes to get through the whole tutorial. Wow. There are a lot of mechanics in this game. And that's actually the thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is I feel like the game has a pretty steep curve in the beginning. It's not like that many buttons or mechanics that you need to really worry about. But put all together, it actually is a little bit overwhelming. At least that was my experience playing the tutorial was like there's actually a lot. to There's a lot that I need to think about in a moment to moment situational kind of experience where like i understand and and can conceptualize all the mechanics individually especially when they're tutorialized one at a time it makes it very easy obviously but when i have to put it all together i'm actually a little bit worried about how i'm going to be able to do that um and i have to imagine i have not played a fifa game in a long time but i have to imagine there's like less going on mechanically than there is going on in fifa i imagine like a fifa game or like a more kind of like uh, not Mario soccer kind of video game experience would probably be very intense and very like mechanic heavy. But Mario Strikers, I was kind of expecting to go into and have it be a little bit more of a streamlined experience. And like it kind of isn't. And that's both exciting and a little bit of a turnoff simultaneously, I think, because I want this to be like a very approachable, like fun thing to like hop into a match online and just kind of like have a good time. Um, And it seems like it might not be that. It might actually be a little bit more intense than I'm thinking. But uh, if anything, that's just like, 
a mental shift that I have to make, I think personally. But that having been said, I mean, it, it's kind of exactly what you would expect. Uh, you know, you are playing as a bunch of the Mario characters and you run around on the field um, and they all have different abilities. And there's also items that pop up on the field, depending on what's going on in the game. Uh, there will be items that any team can pick up or items that only, you know, the winning or losing team can pick up depending on what's going on. Uh, and it's like, you know, all the classic Mario Kart items. There's like a bomb. There's a banana. There's green and red shells. There's the superstar, uh, all that stuff. So there's also like a weird edge to it. Like there's like kind of like it's like a little bit. Um, <laughs> it actually reminds me a little bit of that really strange rebrand of Looney Tunes when they tried to make them like edgy and like fight aliens. Oh, and stuff. yeah. On, on W uh, like WB teens. Yeah. The, I think they were called the lunatics or something. Yeah, um, you're right. But it's not it's not quite that level. But like there's like, you know, rock playing and like Mario's eyes light up with fire and like tackles Yoshi in the teeth. It's yeah. like kind of intense. Yeah, it's it's definitely it, I think that intensity is like definitely represented in the mechanics as much as it is in. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like uh, if you've ever watched like an NFL opening cinematic, like before, like a really big game happens, they'll always have this like very weird, like early 2000s CG experience. Where there's like <laughs> two robots dressed as football players, like beating the shit out of each other, kind of like a rock'em sock'em robot situation. And it feels like they took that art aesthetic and just like kind of grafted that onto Mario, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> it's fine. It works. It's like fun for yeah. the experience, especially considering like the way this game opens seems to imply that there's some kind of like weird galactic space organization that like, that like absorbs like heroes from all over the cosmos and makes them play soccer against each other. At least that's like the vibe that I'm getting. They have the galactic yeah. soccer federation. It's very weird. Oh I'm like, God. I'm like really curious about it. It feels for yeah. the, for the Marvel heads out there. It feels a lot like battle world. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, but that having been said, uh, I, I had a, I had a pretty good time with it and I'm excited about, um, when the actual, like for real demo comes out, uh, and you can play online yeah. so I could like, yeah. I really just want to get into a match and see if I can like actually put all these, uh, different mechanics together. But totally, I, I'm, I definitely came away from that experience thinking like, this is not what I expected it to be, but it can still be fun. Um, yeah. so there's that that's Mario strikers battle league. I don't have anything really else to say about it. Uh, except that it's wild that like in the tutorial, they're like, if you press the Y button, you just punch Yoshi in the face as hard as you possibly can. <laughs> it's uh, awful to watch. And yeah. if you and if you hold the Y button, you drop kick Yoshi in the face as hard as you can uh, with cleats, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's very it's it's it feels bad to do um honestly if i'm if i'm being like perfectly frank go watch the video that i put on our youtube like i have a hard time getting through that bit for some reason i don't know what it is about that game in particular. it's not like nothing i mean we just talked about super smash brothers like at length for a while also uh that's what that game that the whole game is that but for some reason playing soccer and being like yes we're just going to have a mechanic that is you punch somebody directly in the snoot is like pretty wild it's more uh, personal yeah it's 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 also more out of place it's supposed to be soccer yeah <laughs> i don't know how the the united soccer federation does things but you yeah know. but uh the gsf uh, you know no rules just right that's 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 what i was referring to yeah oh yes. yeah uh anyway that having been said moving on to a different game that i've been playing uh so i i mentioned that i have a haul of nintendo ds games that i picked up recently but the first one that i ordered from a random retro game store in london shout out to you whoever you are out there thank you so much for this um was a copy of inazuma 11 
which is a game by Level 5, who went on to uh, make the Nino Kuni games. They're working on those right now, um, including a free-to-play ad-riddled nightmare game that uh, you and I were talking about earlier in the week that I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the show. And then it was like, oh, it's actually like mining NFTs in the background yeah. <laughs> of, your, no of playing. Wild that that's where we're at with Nino Kuni at this point. But anyway, uh, back in the Nintendo DS era, they were best known for making Professor Layton, I think, um, would be like kind of their biggest hit. Uh, the Professor Layton series is like an awesome collection of games that are like puzzle boxes. Uh, they just like keep throwing like weird brain teasers at you. Um, it's great. They're really good games. I can't wait to talk about them on the DS episode because I've been playing and enjoying a lot of them. Um, yeah, totally. This is another game they made uh, that is a soccer or football RPG kind of experience. I think wildly the closest game that this feels like to me is uh, Dodgeball Academia, which you and I played. Yeah like late last year or early this year. I don't even remember when that was. Yeah. Um, that game was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it, especially the presentation and just like the, the writing and the vibe yeah. of it was really great. Um, now in retrospect, it almost feels like Dodgeball Academia was kind of like a continuation of the Inazuma 11 series in a way where yeah. it's like Inazuma 11 kind of like created this really cool conceit for a genre of game that can exist and like made a couple sequels and then is kind of just gone now. Uh, and it feels like Dodgeball Academia just like picked up on that. Uh, and totally. was like, what if it was Dodgeball instead of soccer? Um, but the way it works is uh, you play as this kid named Mike who uh, runs the local football club for his high school um, and is like really trying to make it work and is like really driven, very ambitious, like really wants to be a professional footballer when he grows up. Um, but like all the other kids in the football club are, you know, high school kids and they're not taking it that seriously. They don't really care that much. They care about other stuff. They want to like eat a snack or play a video game or like not be at school anymore. (laughs) You know, now that the day is (laughs) over. Uh, So what ends up happening is pretty early on, the game kind of sets itself up to be this RPG where like, you're just going to like run around school and play soccer a whole bunch. Like you're just going to like, run around school and uh, see a bunch of cutscenes and like talk to a bunch of people. Like I didn't really understand where the RPG side of this was because it seemed almost more like it was a visual novel until you were playing soccer was kind of how I thought about it initially. Um, but they set up these stakes where the football club is going to get like kicked off campus essentially. Like they're going to shut down the football club because they've lost every game for the past like five years or something. <laughs> um, and they're like, cool. Well, we have brought to the school uh another team from a different school they're called the royal academy and if you can't beat them then we're just gonna close down the soccer club and nobody can play soccer here anymore and like the the soccer field will be used for other sports uh because there are other sports at this school that are much better than the soccer team uh so it'll be nice to have that time back so other teams can practice uh so immediately you realize that you don't have enough players to play against this actual soccer team. Like you need 11 players, hence the name in Azuma 11. Um, you need 11 players and you only have, I think seven. So you need to get a couple more, uh, weirdly by happenstance, believe it or not, shocking turn of events. One of the best young soccer players in Japan has just moved to your town and has enrolled in your school, but he refuses oh, to play soccer for, uh, unknown, mysterious reasons. He, he has he has hung up his cleats. He won't play anymore. So you instead need to like go and recruit a bunch of other characters to your team. And this is where the RPG is, which I w- was really surprised by. So the act of playing soccer is like 
fine. It's like, okay. What happens is like you're playing soccer uh, on the bottom screen. All your characters on your team are running around and you kind of like draw where you want them to run. Uh, So you'll say like, okay, well, this person has the ball. I'm going to draw a line from this person up so they can like intercept them. And when you do that, it gives you two options. It's almost like it's almost like rocks, paper, scissors in a way where it's like there's a better option than others. If anything, it's really just kind of a coin flip. That's like, okay, how do you want to get the ball from this person? Do you tackle them or do you do like a slide tackle? Do you like go a little bit wilder with it? Um, and depending on which one of those you pick, you have a 50-50 shot of it working or not working. But also all of the characters, all the players on your team have different stats. They all have like different abilities and things that they're better at or worse at. So you can start to factor that into it. It's like, oh, what are they actually good at? Are they good at slide tackles? Then I'll start to pick slide tackle with this person more often than I would with other characters. This is this is the central hook of the rpg because on the box it says there are over 1000 players you can recruit to your team which is wild this game is pokemon but it's soccer and instead of pokemon you collect real human people for your team (laughs) as you run around the school in between like set up soccer matches other people will try and battle you via soccer so like i just had an experience where there was a kid on my team uh who wanted he he was like afraid to go up against the royal academy and uh he was hiding in a locker and while he was hiding in the locker the sumo wrestling team in the school was like we want him to actually join our club so we're gonna go up against you if you can kick the soccer ball against this locker then you win then you win and you can keep him and he can be on your team but if we win then he has to join our team and i don't know if that can actually play out one way or the other like i don't know if you can like lose that and actually lose that guy forever because again there are a thousand people so like i guess you could lose one of them i guess that's fine um but it essentially turns the act of playing soccer into pokemon battles in a way where like you will just have like random encounter battles (laughs) with people that always play out as soccer matches like little mini soccer matches with like a very singular goal which is very cool. And as you do that, you gain experience and people become better at doing things. But the game is about recruiting people to your team and swapping out who you think is best to go up against whoever else you're going up against, which is really cool and really interesting. Specifically, the thing that I've been most surprised by is there's almost like a persona element to it where you need to like actually befriend these people or like do things for them to get them to join your team. Like there was this one kid, for example, really early on when they're like tutorializing how this works and they're kind of teaching you the idea that certain characters will only join your team if you're doing certain things the right way. This one kid was like, I really want to be needed. I really need to be like wanted specifically. Like I'm not just going to join your team for no reason. I need you to like really need me to join your team. So what you do is you get 10 of the 11 players that you need and then you go back to him and you're like, please, 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 please join my team. We just need one more person and that could be you. And he's like, yes. You need me. You want me. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be your 11th player. I'm going to save the day. I By saying yes, I'm going to be the hero. And then he joins your team. And then you have 11 players. And you can go up against the Royal Academy. The Royal Academy gets introduced essentially the same way Anakin Skywalker gets introduced in uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, when he shows up in the Jedi Temple during Order 66. They show up <laughs> and come off of what is essentially a spaceship that is absolutely horrifying uh, a team of what feel like stormtroopers with soccer balls come out uh, and there's this like big kind of plume of smoke and fog. And then you see this team of like literally just like 11 incredibly well-designed anime villains who are all there to kick your ass uh, and you just get absolutely destroyed. It is Dark Souls rules. 
you're supposed to lose. <laughs> you're supposed to get like absolutely bodied by this team. Um, and that kicks off the opening like hour or two of Inazuma 11, which is essentially a game where you just like collect as many people as you can and make your team better and better and better and continue practicing and leveling up. Um, it is, it is a joy. It is an extremely good game. I've been really surprised at how much I've liked it. I, the reason I got a physical copy of it was I was trying to emulate it. Uh, and it didn't really work anywhere that I tried. Um, I tried it in a bunch of different places and I kind of got it to be like semi reliable in some places, but you know, there's nothing better than just like getting the cartridge and just throwing that in a DS yeah. and doing it the way you're supposed to. Uh, so I did that and I really, I'm very happy that I did. I was, I was a little bit iffy on if I was going to like it enough to do that. Um, but, uh, it's really, it's really working for me right now. I'm still pretty early on. Like, I'm in like the, like I would say four to five hour mark at this point. Um, but it's very rich. It's a very rich story. It's very silly. It's like almost fully voice acted. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of like kind of Pokemon X text, um, but they got the actual studio weirdly. They got the studio that did the Pokemon anime to do all the cutscenes, And there are a lot of cutscenes. like constantly like in that, in that, uh, that match against the Royal Academy, in certain cases where like you're supposed to be getting your ass kicked, they will just like cut to a cutscene instead of just showing you the gameplay um, <laughs> in certain moments, because like they really want to drive the point home that like you are no match for this team. Um, yeah. And uh, it's done very tastefully. It's done very well. I like it a lot. The, the big, the big sticking point for me is that thousand characters that you can recruit. Yeah. That, that's wild. Well, that doesn't work anymore. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk oh. a little bit about the co-op thing that you were talking about with Portrait of Ruin. I think one of the big things about doing this DS episode is realizing for this console specifically that so many of these games were so stoked about the fact that like it was going to be the first Nintendo handheld that had online capabilities. Yeah. That a lot of games are built around that. And there, there are a lot of games that we just like can't play or experience their fullest anymore, which is really a huge bummer, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I think one that you and I were talking about off the show at one point was this game by Treasure, who I like really loved based off the stuff that I played for the Game Boy Advance episode. Gunstar Superheroes was was one of their games, and uh, that Astro Boy game was also theirs. They released a game on the DS that's called Bangayo Spirits that is so fucking cool. I mean, it's just like a really, really fun like mixture of almost like puzzle and shoot 'em up um, like Galaga experience, but you're supposed to play it online. Like it's supposed to be a competitive online shooting game. And you can't do that at all uh, anymore because the Nintendo online doesn't work for the DS anymore. Like Nintendo DS Wi-Fi no longer exists. So the way Inazuma 11 was supposed to work is you were supposed to be able to download those players over time. So like the longer you played the game and continued to connect to online, the more they would download into your game. Um, So like you would almost get rewarded for continuing to play the game and continuing to check in by getting more players to choose from. Um, I, I think like early on in the process, you and I were talking about visiting each other's uh, towns in Animal Crossing Wild World. And like, we can't do that. And uh, that's that's a bummer. I mean, it just gets back to a thing that you and I talk about all the time on the show, which is game preservation. And it like sucks that there are entire aspects of these games that can no longer be experienced outside of the efforts of people online who are like making it work. Like there are fan made online servers where you can go play Mario Kart DS like right now. Uh, that you can connect to, which is cool. And like, thank God that there are people out there doing that. But like, that's not for every game. And like Inazuma 11 is like never going to be one of those games. You know, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's definitely like I I do understand that at a certain point, like you can't support a game forever. But it just kind of shows Nintendo's bad habit of just like 
torching whatever came before, you know, and, and it's not like it, it, it affects a lot more games than you would think. I mean, especially because again, it was like a selling point of the DS, like yeah. as much as the game, like there are so many games that are excited about the touch controls and the dual screens and the mic. <laughs> There's a lot of games that are like pumped about the mic electroplankton yeah um <laughs> but yeah it, it's a bummer so how does it work so what's the replacement then like can you still recruit other characters or like yeah there's less the, the, there are characters in the game it's just like it's not gonna be a thousand you know it's gonna be gotcha, like significantly gotcha. less because there there are people like littered all over the school in the town so the way the way it works is you start off just kind of like in a closed off area of the school and the more you progress in the story the more of the school they unlock so you can like go visit the baseball field eventually and you can like start talking to the people who play baseball and like recruiting them and saying like hey you want to switch sports <laughs> eventually you also unlock the surrounding town and you can like start to make your way around the town and visit those places um at different times of day and like see who's around and start to recruit them too yeah i'm, yeah. I'm really excited to play this game I, I haven't ordered my copy yet but you've definitely sold me on it for sure I think you're going to like it a lot. I think this is I think this is going to be like a real kind of sleeper hit. Even if it doesn't make my list, I, I think this is a game that I'm going to like really go to bat for for a long time. I have oh, yeah. heard I, I saw a thing recently that I haven't looked into, but like is going to like I've been thinking about it the whole time we've been recording tonight. I've heard that they they re-released Inazuma 11 on the 3DS only on the eShop just the first game specifically oh wow and if that's the case and that probably means because the eShop is still available that you could probably do it right now so i'm actually considering switching over if that is available i'm considering switching over to the 3ds version and seeing if i can do that oh yeah um, i might just do that that might be easier yeah yeah um so i i will report back to you immediately after we're done recording and let you know if that's the case um and if that is the case uh i'll also put it in the show notes so you know to oh, do yeah. that thank you but yeah, uh, and it, yeah. there's also like there's a bunch of games in this series too, right? Yeah, there's a lot. We didn't get all of them is the thing. Um, this ended yeah. up going on to be like a manga and an anime series and like a bunch of things like it went on to become like a whole franchise. Oh, uh, cool. Which is really yeah, it's it's pretty sick. Um, but, uh, you know, didn't didn't really get a whole lot of representation uh, in the US at least um, yeah. outside of the I think like the first two games. I don't think we got three through whatever came out eventually. Gotcha. Gotcha. But uh, it's it's really good. I mean, this is like this is such a deep cut. It feels like for the DS. Yeah. Um, just one of those games I like never would have heard of if I wasn't like digging in like the weirdest places on the Internet. Because, <laughs> again, I mean, like there are thousands of Nintendo DS games and it was so hard to pick the list of the stuff that we should play. Um, yeah. But I saw a couple people so passionately standing by this game that i was like i i gotta check it out i gotta know like there are a thing that you always say which i really appreciate is like if anyone ever says that a game is their favorite game of all time like i'm curious to know why and to check that out uh and that's yeah. how i felt about inazuma 11 and i like immediately get it like i immediately understand why people love this game so much because i think if, if someone feels that strongly there's something there even if you don't feel that on your end like yeah there's a reason why that that exists you yeah. know that connection exists yeah but that's Inazuma 11. Uh, it's on Nintendo DS. I'm, I'm excited to keep playing it. Uh, and I may report back depending on how uh, how smitten by it I am by the time we record <laughs> that episode. That's that's the fun thing, too, is that like even though we're limited to 10 games for our list, there are a lot that I kind of have put a pin in. That I'm like, OK, I don't know if I can make a case for this in top 10, but I want to play more of this and I'm sure it will just come up on the show at some point. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of honorable mentions in that episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that having been said, I think I think that's everything. I think that's everything we got for today. Ended up being a much yeah, longer I, uh, episode than I was expecting, also, which is fun. Yeah, this is a, a fun return to to form, I guess, or to yeah. 
whatever. Uh, it's it's nice to it's nice to be here. <laughs> after I after I stood up and took that deep breath, I think I lost a little bit of myself there too. You know? <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, Neo it's, takes I, a lot from us. I think it's. I, I also want to say real quick that I I'm really appreciative. We say this every time, like we don't really often take breaks, which is kind of interesting. Like I think in in our four plus years of doing the show, we've taken maybe like three weeks off. Yeah, I don't four. even know. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't um, been that many. That being said, I I do really appreciate that we can be like candid with how we communicate to you and be like, hey, like we need this time off and no one's like, where's my content? You know, like <laughs> I I I I wouldn't ever expect that, obviously. I'm really happy we can communicate like when we do need to take time off and it's like understood immediately with empathy. Um, that's, that, yeah. that's really heavily appreciated. Yeah. I, I mean, as we say a lot, like you and I both have day jobs, we both have nine to fives. This is like a thing that we do outside of work. So sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Sometimes we just can't do an episode, uh, you know, despite, despite what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. But, uh, that, that having been said, it's, it's, it's good to be back and, uh, I'm excited to Likewise. keep recording. We're, we're doing uh we're doing our Pokemon Red bonus soon, which I'm very excited about. Yes, red and blue. We might talk about Pokemon blue. blue also. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're making fun of me because I've often referred to it as Pokemon Red without blue, and you're yeah. specifically playing blue. I'm so, yes. I know how that feels now hearing it from yeah. you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it hurts. Um. So yeah, the Pokemon Red and Blue is coming up. We are. Uh, we just asked for questions for that episode. We got a lot of good ones. So thank you. We have a lot of really good questions. Yeah. Who asked? What I love is like every time we do a Pokemon bonus, which we've done a couple now, we get like a the if you were a trainer, who would you be? Question. I I, I can never settle on an answer. Yeah. So I'm very grateful that I can revisit it every like year and a half. <laughs> like, <if> I, <laughs> wait, who would I? Who would I be? What's my team? Um. Otherwise, I mean, this month is going to be really busy for us in, in a fun way. But, you know, we've got the bonus coming out soon. And then at the end of the month, we will be recording the DS episode. And I imagine that will probably come out in like early, early July. But, you know, we'll keep you posted regardless. That seems to be the um, case. Yeah. Next month is going to be really busy for a lot of reasons. I know we have to like pre-record some episodes. Uh, I'm going away at one point. Um, yeah. There, there's also like summer games stuff is going to start happening soon yeah. actually i think by the time this episode comes out or maybe the day this episode comes out sony will have had their event yeah if i'm not mistaken which is wild to think about uh that this time soon we might uh we might know some more stuff about what sony has coming for the end of the year i'm i'm really excited about whatever shell of e3 we get this year i'm like really really <laughs> interested in what this is going to look like um because i feel like this year will either be like a complete outlier or will like set the tone for what the future will be like uh, in a post E3 world. Cause at least yeah. last year, like E3 kind of tried, you know, like there was an attempt right. at E3 last year, um, even if it didn't like fully happen. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. The latter half of this year is a little bit more up in the air. I mean, Nintendo has a pretty confirmed lineup already, yeah. but everyone else is a kind of a question mark and it kind of, it's almost the opposite of last year. We're like, Last year was like really slow for the first seven months. And then like all of a sudden every game came out. Um, This year has been the opposite. Like we had like a a wild February and now it's like switch sports and then you can just (laughs) hang out for a bit. Yeah. Um, But I'm excited for what's on the horizon. Yeah. Splatoon. I'm very excited for Splatoon. Splatoon. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Very interested in that. Curious about that. Yeah. Curious and also a new Pokemon. I keep forgetting that there's a new Pokemon. At the I don't believe year. it. I still feel like that's going to get delayed. <laughs> I don't know why, but something something about 
Something about that game feels like it's going to get delayed. Uh, we haven't seen anything about it still yeah. since they announced it, which gives me pause. And I'm wondering, like, is that Nintendo waiting for like the E3 season or is that like right. a bad sign about how that game is doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, how long ago was that event even? I don't even know like time anymore, dude. Yeah, I don't know, actually. I, I would guess it was like, don't they usually that might have been the January direct. They usually have a January direct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair. It's been like around six months <laughs> <laughs> and I got one JPEG of Fue Coco. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. Boycotting Pokemon. Uh, just kidding. Yeah. We should just all play Inazuma 11 instead. Is kind of where I'm at. Um, Sounds good to me. Anyway, we should actually wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, into the cast that online is our hub for everything. You know, the drill and I keep it nice and short cause sure. we've been kind of going on, but, um, into the cast that online links for everything places to listen to the show if you like the show the best way to help it grow is to share with a friend you can write and review us on apple Podcasts and spotify special thanks to our patrons we really really appreciate you uh more content on the horizon i would expect probably not too much this month just because of everything going on but we're gonna try to keep up our like more regular routine for that space um so keep an eye on that and yeah, just thank you so much for listening. That's uh, everything I got for right now. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you all so much. Uh, it's an honor to be nominated. And uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk to you soon. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye, Fred. I knew I. it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Bye, Fred. <laughs>